I think <clears throat> I think I'm ready. Cool. Alrighty. Here we go. Fuck. Take another drink of this water. I'll go ahead and take my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be nude casting? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a part of it. Well, it's sometimes we don't reveal. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a guessing game. <laughs> it's just your own fun little secret. I'm taking off the one piece of reason, clothing. There's no cameras on. <laughs> one piece of clothing for each Tupperware. Like my mom came and she put up like curtains in my fucking house and shit. And I'm like, I don't want them open, mom. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to tell her why. But yeah, walk around nude sometimes, mom. <laughs> I don't want the curtains open. Yes. I live by myself. There's no reason why I can't. <laughs> I'm going to tell my mom that. Just because you didn't have the luxury of walking around nude, mom, because we were at home. <laughs> and it is a luxury. I've, I, have, uh, I have pushed people out of my life for the past 44 years, mom, to get to this point. <laughs> This is all by design. This is all by design. It's all part of my master plan. I travel light, literally. No clothes, mom. No clothes, no relationships. Episode 429. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture, leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. Come on, Jake, where the fuck are you? Uh, fucking with you. He's not here. Ha! <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't go over too well, did it? Anyway, we've got Joe Stark from Starkcast. Hey, excited to be here. Whoa, dude. You're still laughing. <laughs> oh, you were laughing. I'm glad someone was. You <laughs> did the Jake thing. I didn't see it coming. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I was, last week he was a little slow with the, with the intro, so I, Gave him a little shit, but he's not here this week. But I do have Joe, Joe fucking uh, filling in this week. But we also are joined by a couple of other guests. And uh, the next one is Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. It's good to get you back. Trying to get you back on the show. It's like impossible to book you for a fucking episode. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? I had to go outside. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, it's nice to have you back, and we've got stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then also returning for his second, no, yeah, second regular episode, third time on the podcast, John Counts. Welcome back, John. 
Yeah, let's fuck some shit up. Is that is that your catchphrase? Are you doing the whole Stephanie thing where you got a ca- a different catchphrase before each episode? It might be. We'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see if it, yeah, we'll see if it becomes a shirt. Let's fuck some shit up. Is that what you said? Was it some fuck some things up or fuck some shit up? Oh, it's definitely got to be shit. All right, let's fuck some shit up. It's more specific. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, happy to have you guys on this episode. Want to uh, thank a member of the Leftover Army right now, Mister Aaron Ramey, who sent a donation this week. So thank you, Aaron. It helps the show. Now my mom can fucking watch all the streaming services without paying for them because <laughs> it's so true. Oh my! She sent me a fucking text message today. She's like, "Do you have Peacock?" And I was like, "Yes, I have." <laughs> I've got the cock, mom. <laughs> and she's like, oh, good. And I sent her my information. And she says, you've saved us $1,000. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> they, they don't pay for shit. They don't pay for shit. I pay for the Netflix, like uh, the Showtime, the stuff. See, she's turning down services from me. I'm like, I got Showtime. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm not, I don't need anything on Showtime right now. But when she needs it, she'll fucking, I'm like her little fucking uh, streaming service uh, fucking drug dealer over here. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I, I also, Joe, I want to thank you again for joining uh, me and Jake and Connor last night for our Thor 11 Thunder reaction episode. I had a lot of fun on that one, man. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, that was a blast. Um, I'm so looking forward to the movie and really glad I had that opportunity to to ask you so many questions. I had, I had three pages pages of questions lined up for that episode. <laughs> I knew <laughs> I knew you were the guy to bring on. I knew it was like Joe is... He loved the comic book run of that character, and I know you're going to come and bring in some great questions, and you did. And, man, I can't wait for everybody to get a chance to see this movie. I can't wait to see it again. I can't wait to see it again. Next time I'm seeing it, Joe, it's in IMAX, and, man, I think Excellent. it might make a big difference because, man, there's you know music, and, and some of those action scenes might hit a little harder in the IMAX, so. Looking forward to it. Melissa, are you looking forward to uh, Love and Thunder? Yeah, I listened to your episode this morning before we started here, mm-hmm. and I bought my ticket to see it for Thursday. Yay. I'm Very ready. Cool. Very cool. John, are you seeing it? Yeah, definitely. I, d- I, don't, I don't even see every Marvel movie in the theater, but after the last Thor, I'll definitely be seeing this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Everybody go out there and watch it. And then uh, we will have a spoiler review coming out next week. Also coming out next week or this week, depending on when you're listening to it, uh, going to have a Stranger Things bonus episode. I haven't watched volume two of season four yet. So that's going to be what I'm going to be watching tomorrow. And I cannot fucking wait and I thank God I haven't gotten – I haven't seen any spoilers on the internet. So I don't know shit, dude. I don't know shit, man. <laughs> Excellent. So I'm really looking forward to watching it. There was just so much I had to do this week in order to get this episode out. I had to watch everything for this week. And I lost an entire day on Wednesday because I drove to Ohio to watch Thor 11 Thunder. And that's a five-hour drive, five-hour drive back. And then it was like three hours total to like watch the movie. So, oh, man. Yeah. Dude, 
Dude, my, oh my God, I hate sitting in a car that fucking long. I hate it. <laughs> well, that, and you're sitting in a car that long to go somewhere and sit in a seat for a while longer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it isn't like you're driving to go for a big walk and stretch your legs or something, you know? <laughs> I showed, I, yeah, exactly. I showed up like, I'd say a good 45 minutes early before the movie is supposed to start. And I text Connor and I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm, I'm here, but I'm just walking around. I got to stretch my legs. There was like a strip mall and I'm walking around. Then I went to a Barnes and Nobles and walked around. I just had to fucking move. So, but, um, yeah, I, oh, I got a question for you, Joe. What you got? All right. Let's say you're hanging out. It's, it's the eighties. It's like, it's, you're hanging out with Huey Lewis from Huey Lewis and the news at the peak of his fame. I'm talking like this is, you know, post his sports album. He's fucking done the he's done the Back to the Future fucking song and he he, he was in Back to the Future. This is like peak Huey Lewis and you're hanging out with him. <laughs> All right? Gotcha. And he, and he farts. Do you call him Huey Lewis and the Ews? In that moment. <laughs> That's pretty good. This is P.Q. E. Lewis. He farts. And I'm talking like, number one, it sounds juicy. And it's like one of those where it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a machine gun. Like rat-a-tatting off his fucking ass cheeks. But now, now. And it's juicy. <laughs> and you can, like, you can, not only do you smell it, but it's almost like you can taste it in the air. You know what I mean? Aww. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like open up, like a stove and, like, you just get a waft. It's like, whoa. It's like a, like a Dutch oven to the face. Do you call him Pewey Lewis in the ewes in that, in that moment? I'm picturing the, the closed captioning. <laughs> For uh, Stranger Things, wet squelching noises. <laughs> I think nobody's above a ball busting, though. I, I think if if you've got it in you to just drop ass like that around people, you know, you, you're going to have to show up for that beating if somebody wants to make fun of you. Nah, even if you are Huey Lewis. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, I'd be like, I bet, you, I bet you wish you could go back in time on that one, don't you, Huey? <laughs> you fucking nasty son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, anyway yeah that's what i came with this week joe <laughs> well done <laughs> i'm just you're just sitting around listening to like hip to be square and farting and you're like you know what yeah i was <laughs> like go together <laughs> I, I was sitting there with an open can of beans listening to the sports album <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, John, do you call him? No, I'm kidding. You don't have to answer this, John. <laughs> anyway. I wonder if your line reading of Ew is inspired by Ewan McGregor in Birds of Prey. <laughs> when he's showing her, like, his shrunken head or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. I, I, I honestly don't remember that part. So... Somebody who has seen Birds of Prey as many times as I have remembers, and I think that they're laughing right now. <laughs> oh well, I'm glad you so were able to <laughs> glad you were able to touch that one listener. <laughs> hey, if we get a five star review out of that, I'll take it. <laughs> 
more Birds of Prey super fans, please. <laughs> I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. I did, I think I I think I Oh, I know. I, I I can't remember what I rated it. I feel like I gave it a high taster or at least a Tupperware maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, that movie was great. One is one of the one of the DC EU's the uh, gems that really shine for me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really? Oh, yeah. D- wasn't it in the news that that James Gunn is going to be working with her again? I feel like that oh, was fantastic. just like within the last couple weeks. I read that news somewhere that James Gunn actually said that he's going to be working with her again. I think that's fantastic. Do we know is the Barbie movie supposed to be kind of like a? Uh, knocking Barbie? I can't tell. I've been so intrigued by all the pictures, and I can't quite tell what's going on. I, I mean, I was Connor brought that up to me. We were talking before, you know, Thor, and he was like, "I think it's going to be kind of like partially poking fun at the whole Barbie thing." And then I got to it's think. Gotta- well, I got to thinking. Like, do you think like Barbie, the like the brand, would allow that? Is that what they want? Oh, good point. Yeah, I hope that it's like. If and if there's any like mocking being done, I hope that we're mocking like people's reactions to Barbie, like pushback about her shape, which I think is valid, but probably you know over dramatic in some cases, or like how you know only girls are supposed to like Barbie. I just think that Barbie as a toy has been like um, kind of polarizing on and off throughout her tenure. So if it's if it's mocking kind of that aspect, I think that would be better than, like, mocking the concept. But all the photos look amazing. I can't wait to see this movie. I hope it's, like, life-size, where it's, like, they're Barbies, but they came alive accidentally. I hope we see her with no nipples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to see Ken. Yeah. All his Ken doll glory. I just want to see yeah. Ken's smooth fucking mangina, you know? <laughs> it's so fluorescent that you'd think it's being directed by Joel Schumacher. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just can't. I can't not see me being so intrigued by this movie that I, that I won't be in the theater. I think that, like, I have really have no interest in in a Barbie movie. But after like these photos and I, I, you know, I guess it'll take that first trailer. But I can't see me not being in the theater out of, just out of fucking sheer curiosity to see this movie and what the yeah. hell they're gonna do with it because. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. The cast is hot and they're so stylized that at the very least, I think it's going to be a feast for the eyes. Yes, eye candy for sure. You, you think it's just people going into the theater getting all horned up like they're Paul Rubens in the fucking <laughs> porn theater? Like, just because people are hot doesn't mean you have to get inappropriate. It's not like, yeah, it's like, oh my God, you look over and there's a guy like gently rubbing his nipples while he's watching Ryan Gosling. <laughs> oh, yes. At least that guy has nipples. <laughs> That's yeah, true. I was going to say, <laughs> if you got them, rub them. that's the message of the barbie movie (laughs) yeah be happy for your nipples some people don't have them do what they can't yeah (laughs) i'd read that the barbie girl song is not going to be used in the movie which i have kind of mixed feelings of criminal it is kind of stupid that it's not right totally right yeah yeah that's dumb 
Anyway. All right, guys. Let's jump into uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop this week. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Oh, fucking hell, man. Joe. Yes. Just got done watching episode seven of The Boys. Oh, yes. This show. I'm <laughs> telling you, this show. Like, I, I loved this episode, too. I think it was the perfect follow-up to the previous episode. I mean, huge reveal at the end. Not going to spoil it, but my God, man. I'm telling you. Oh, I did not see that coming, dude. I did not see that coming either. And like, That guy keeps taking L's. <laughs> after, I, I mean, episode six for me is just... Still, I think it's just like the best episode of television I've seen all fucking year. Like that episode was just tailor made for me, dude. Like it was so good. It was a really, really solid episode. I have this thing about like I like to see the fucking heavyweights go at it, man. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't care what's on the fucking card for that night when it comes to the fight sometimes until they get to the heavyweights. You know, it's like that's what I want to see. I want to see the heavyweights. And it's like it's like, you know, waiting for that fucking Waiting for that Rocky Apollo Creed fight, you know, waiting for Rocky versus Drago. You know, I want to see the heavyweights go at it. Man, they fucking delivered. Joe, if if Compound V, that 24-hour Compound V was a thing and it didn't have any side effects, would you take it? Oh, without a doubt. What what power would you want? Dude, I, I've always thought it'd be amazing to have that same power set as like a Kryptonian living on Earth. I mean, it, it kind of covers the basis of almost everything awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got you know? I, I got to go with you there, man. It's like you go, you can fucking you can blast shit with your eyes and you can fucking fly. You got super strength. Like, yep. You can yeah. freeze stuff. You can you know, you can since you're super fast, you can you know, kind of pinpoint in on the voices of your loved ones. And if they're in danger, you can be there to save them. You can. It's, you it's can, incredible. You can kiss people and make them forget shit. <laughs> we're not supposed to do that <laughs> hey if they don't remember <laughs> no harm no foul <laughs> that made me think of job and the rest of development with the forget me not drug <laughs> yes the forget me not drug oh my god it wasn't it just fucking get him getting roofied every night? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that at first, and <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely what it was. Uh, Melissa, are you watching the boys? I am watching the boys. I think that uh, the seventh episode was my favorite of the season, actually, because I mean I like the big fights, like you're saying, but I love emotional fallout. <laughs> yeah, I and see. I like all of these, uh, all of these, you know, character pairings not necessarily couples but pairings like yeah they all had a real emotional stuff going on between them in this episode and i just that stuff's so juicy i love it yeah i felt feelings in this episode i had a little tear cropping up 
I felt like it was a the perfect follow up to the last episode. It's just for me. I it's just the testosterone male part of me that just is like, <laughs> you know, Billy Butcher versus you know Homelander and fucking Soldier Boy. It's just like yeah, there's like that little boy like in me that fucking like played with my fucking Rambo dolls as a kid. That just like mm-hmm. I got to see that kind of shit just fucking come to life on the screen. I couldn't tell you how many fucking times in that episode I just like out loud was saying, Oh my fucking God. Holy shit. Oh my God. I was, I was like losing my shit during that episode. This last episode was fantastic as well. Like this show is just so goddamn good. I'm really going to need Invincible season two to start. Oh, yes, please. Very soon. Cause like, the- do we have a date for that? I have not heard a release date. Yeah. So I did an out loud, oh my fucking God, during this episode. And I'm not going to say anything about it other than the cow. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I want to see somebody. I like had my hands on my forehead. Like, oh my God. There needs to be, I don't know. Somebody needs to figure out a meme that they could do with like fucking, you know, Luke Skywalker in. Drinking from that fucking whatever the fuck that sea cow was in The Last Jedi and then Homelander in this last episode. Somebody needs to figure that meme out because you could make it work. John, are you watching The Boys? Oh, unfortunately, I do not. But I love when you guys talk about it because it always gives me the immature giggles after hearing you say The Boys after random phrases. (laughs) Dude, the last episode was titled Herogasm. You've got to watch this show. <laughs> and they reckon they like referred to Herogasm in this episode like a couple times so seriously. <laughs> you know who's so evil and shitty in that show as well that I don't think gets enough credit is the actor that plays the deep. Like you hate him so <gasps> much, but you Chase hate- Crawford. The Chase- reason I started watching the boys in the first place. Well, you've got to oh, like him. You've got to hate this guy watching the show, but it's like it's because the actor is just doing such a great job at it. And like, yeah. even though he's such a fucking shit bag, I can still watch <laughs> all the fucked up bestiality between him and <laughs> the aquatic creatures. Did you read it- that Amazon actually got an S and P department because of the boys and the deep bestiality? No. (laughs) Like, they did not have a standards and practices department until they needed to figure out where the line on bestiality on TV needed to be. I guess it's fucking having an octopus strapped onto your crotch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, now I'm watching. Dude, he's wearing it like it's a belt and it's fucking blowing him, dude. It is the wildest show. What was her name? Rochelle? I don't even remember. Like... I don't remember it either. <laughs> She's I think not octopuses an it. have a beak, though. <laughs> oh my god, this show is! I'm telling you, John, you got to start. Like that's one thing I've been pressuring Jake about is you've got to watch the boys. It is so so fucking good. Another thing that Melissa, I want to apologize to you is like I haven't finished the Umbrella Academy. I'm still like on episode oh. five. But I, it's I, so good though. Yeah. I like I like that you're taking your time. You get to savor all of these episodes. Yeah, because I blew through seasons one and two, 
And um, I am taking my time with – I'll have a lot of time this week to be able to watch more Umbrella Academy and get caught up on some stuff since I am uh, you know, going to be reviewing Thor. So hopefully I'll get back to that. But what did you think of the overall season? Joe, did you finish it? I have not started it yet. Okay. Um, it's one where we're kicking around doing a rewatch and starting from season one. Don't – and I mean I'm telling you, I just go to YouTube and I watch the recaps of seasons one and two and everything just comes back to you. It's just like – I well, I mean, if you have the time, go for it. But I'm telling you, like these recaps are just saving my life right now. Yeah, well, we did our Stranger Things rewatch with like the whole family, and it, it was it was really successful. And so we were thinking about doing the same thing with the Umbrella Academy. Okay, because I, I don't think there's anything too terrible in it to show my kids. No, I think that's great. I think that Umbrella Academy has like a lot of stuff that's at least conversational, like conversation starters for kids. Like I don't think it, it's like kind of like graphically violent, but it's like still a comic book TV show. So yeah, can, totally. You know, it's not like horrifying. I want to see yeah. Joe. <clears throat> I want to see Joe talking to his uh, boys about the boys. And he's like, well, <laughs> when a man you- loves an octopus, sometimes <laughs> they express that love by, and, you know, anyway, if you Dude, have when- gills, you might want to <laughs> fuck fish. <laughs> <laughs> when they're old enough for me to hand them that first trade paperback of the boys and say, enjoy. And when you're done with this, we're going to watch the show. Like, that's going to be fantastic. Because really, it's it's only the stuff with, like, the sexual content that, mm. that, I, that I keep away from. I'm not too worried about showing them stuff with violence because, I mean, they get that in video games and I've already yeah. had those talks with them. But, you know, they only have this time to be children and have the innocence of children this one time in their lives. And so it's like, if I can shelter them from seeing somebody get sucked off by an octopus. <laughs> I think I'm going to do oh. that. The first episode of The Boys has straight up sexual assault, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. I mean, I think that's a fair one to hold back. But it is one that, it, and they they know about this stuff too, because like yeah. they're looking forward to seeing Deadpool at some point. And I'm like, trust me, when you're old enough to watch Deadpool, we will watch it. But not yet. N- not ready to tell <laughs> you about the International <laughs> Women's Day scene. <laughs> What's going on there? <laughs> yeah yeah so what did you think about the umbrella academy season three overall melissa so for me personally i think that season three is the strongest season of the umbrella academy um i love that first season for being the first season introducing us to those characters i was in love with the show right away um but especially with like the character of for example like luther like i think that that character gets better every single year and so in this third season i think that all of the characters are operating at their highest level and um you know with a bird's eye view seasons one and seasons two are pretty similar in like plot and structure um, there's like some settings different there's setting differences the characters grow and all that but the plot beats are pretty pretty similar but season three gets further away from all of that and then we get the introduction of the sparrow academy so there's even more characters to play with and i just think that the characters and the writing get stronger and stronger every season yeah i i mean honestly it's like when you have a great story it can get better every season. I, I remember mm-hmm. seeing that with the boys as well. It's like that first season was such a success and they, they, they found out like what people liked about the show and then they, they, they just ran with it in the second season. And like they even upped the ante now in the third, I think the same thing's happening with the umbrella, uh, mm-hmm. umbrella Academy. It's like, 
we loved those characters from the first season. Now it's like we can just take the source material and we can just give you more of what you love. We know what you love and we're going to give you more of it. And I, I yeah. so far, five episodes in, I'm I'm loving it. It's it's so good. I can't wait to finish it. But uh, man, it just feels like we – it feels like once we get to like the – you know from the second to the third season, it felt like it had been so long since I'd watched mm-hmm. that second season. That it's like, I really need those recap videos to, to kind of like, you know, remind me of like, where are we again? So I took a few days and rewatched the second season actually. So yeah, yeah I'm right there with you. Yeah. And even then there was some stuff that happens in the third season that is, you know, directly related to things in the second season. And even though I did that rewatch, some of the stuff that I know in my mind I should have been ready for surprised me <laughs> anyway. <laughs> wow. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be finishing that uh, hopefully within the next week or two. But, um, John, is that one that you watch? Or are you not watching The Umbrella Academy? No, I'm sorry, but I do hope it spreads awareness because there is no bestiality Pride Month yet, I don't think. Do we? I, and that's, I, we don't need bestiality oh, right, anything right, month. Right, right my bad. <laughs> bestiality Appreciation Month. <laughs> oh, man. I hope Pete is not listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> the thoughts and feelings of one John Counts do not reflect <laughs> the thoughts. Expressed. I meant awareness month. We need to be aware of it. Well, okay. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes people fuck animals. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Anyway, uh, Rot. <laughs> John, you're making this episode difficult for me. <laughs> that's, my, that's my goal. <laughs> Rise on Disney Plus. Uh, after immigrating from Nigeria to Greece, the Adekumpos struggle to care for their five children. The brothers play basketball. Uh, the brothers play basketball with a local team and discover their abilities on the court. And this is based on a true story. It's directed by Akin Amotoso, uh, stars Deo Akaniyi, Yatidi Badaki from American Gods. Uh, it's nice seeing her. I actually got to see her at C2E2 a few years ago um, and uh, went to their their um, uh, panel. And uh, she she's awesome. She's very cool. Uh, Manish Dayal, uh, Raul Agata, Jaden Isumawua, uh, Uke Agata, and Taylor Nichols. And yeah, this is based on some real NBA stars and – how they made it into the NBA and the road that they took in order to get there. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm definitely familiar with, uh, you know, a couple of the brothers here, uh, especially, you know, Giannis and, uh, Thanasis. And, uh, I mean, (laughs) Giannis is like one of the best players in the NBA, if not the best player right now in the NBA, the guy's amazing place for the box. But, um, yeah, it's uh, I I did not know this story. I mean, if I was a Bucks fan and following, you know, all these players, I, I definitely would have known this. But uh, I didn't know this whole backstory with this guy and what he had to go through in order to make it to the NBA. And uh, yeah, Joe, what did you think about? Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about Rise and what you thought about the movie. 
yeah, I thought that this was a really good movie. Um, I didn't have any expectations going into it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know that much about basketball. And so I'd never been familiar with these characters. Uh, when I saw that, uh, Yatiti Badaki was in it, I was pretty excited about that. I, I loved her in American Gods and, and I follow her on, uh, Twitter and stuff. And, and I, I think she's just an awesome actor. Um, man, but the story in this is just so touching with, with these, these brothers that and it's this family that is, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not really, I mean, I guess the way you could put it was they're, they're kind of like illegal immigrants living in Greece. And so they're having to live under the radar and, you know, the, the mom and dad are doing everything they can to get legal status, but it's like, they're stuck in this catch 22 where, you know, you need to have this legal status to get a a job that'll pay taxes, but to get a job that pays taxes, you got to have legal status. And so they're kind of stuck in this horrible limbo. And, you know, really, they just they just want a good life for their children. And, you know, they the, this family's got this really wonderful philosophy that, like, you know, when when one member of the family scores, you know, it's a win for everybody. And so it's it's this really tight knit family. And these boys grow up with this philosophy. And their dad was like hugely into to soccer. And so he was always playing ball with them when they were kids. And then as they grew up, they they kind of started gravitating towards basketball and then discovering from a young age that, hey, they could be really good at this if they put the work in and, you know, just being that they've got this incredible work ethic, they, they put that work in. And then you see this story, you know, and then, and then these young players, you know, careers kind of start to bloom through, throughout the course of this movie. And, um, I thought that, you know, not only is like the basketball and all that stuff, you know, a, a really good, compelling story with it, but the underlying subtext of, you know, how difficult, it is for for people that you know have a status of an illegal illegal immigrant you know how difficult it can be for them no matter where they're at to to try and get things the right way and so i found myself multiple times in this movie like worrying over what's going to happen to this family especially coming from a place where i don't know the true story of this um i i kind of understand that from the summary of this movie it works out you know and because it's like you know following the rise of of this family that has, you know, eventually three, three of these kids are going to be in the NBA at some point. And so I know kind of where the story's going, but man, the path that it took to get there was really beautiful. Uh, for me, this was a Tupperware. I thought this was a fantastic movie. I think this is a movie that people should definitely show their kids. Uh, it does such a good job of, you know, telling this, you know, this kind of immigrant story and yeah, great movie, lots of heart. Um, uh, like, like I said, completely unfamiliar with the basketball players in it. But when you said that, that Giannis is now maybe one of the best in the NBA, man, that's awesome. So cool to hear that. It's like you look at players that have to like fight and struggle to, to get where they are. Like the, all these boys had a hunger for the NBA. Like once they found like their love for basketball, they had a, they had, they had a hunger and it's, it's a true underdog story in every way from like their status in, in Greece, you know, they're going to Greece just to get citizenship. And like you said, they're just blocked <laughs> every time they try and they can't win. They're, they're, they're making their living selling items that they buy on the, at, at these markets to, to tourists. And that's how they spent a lot of their, their life going, doing that, going to school and, uh, to, to see where 
they were and where they are now. And, you know, they all seem like, you know, like they're good, they're good guys in the NBA. So it's, it, it is a true, um, uh, like rags to riches story. And, and I Tupperware it as well. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, what a great role model he is, Giannis. Oh, and, without and the, a doubt. And the brothers. And uh, so, yeah, it make you know, you know, it makes me kind of like want to root for the Bucks unless they're playing the Bulls. But <laughs> so that's a good thing, I guess. But uh, yeah, I Tupperware it as well. And I, I thought the all the acting was fantastic. John, what did you think? I really liked it. I uh, wrote down high taste it. Um, I thought the story was the best part um, by far. Just it's, you know, it's such an impactful story. It's I think I looked up. It's the first trio of brothers who have finals rings. Um, you know, so that's crazy in it of itself. But um, yeah, I, just, I I thought like the movie making was just a little under for me i i mean that's nitpicky if i just loved it so much that wouldn't have mattered um but i don't know i I just i feel like the story was better than the the movie itself i guess is what i'm trying to say but i thought everyone did a really good job in it and i definitely wanted to watch to the end i wanted to know what happened um and it's such a it's they captured how unsettling it is you know being in that legal status limbo and it's just you know even if you're just amazing at something just something like that is always in the back of your head like we don't belong here we can't make it somewhere else and it's it's such a good story yeah there's like a scene of them being chased by the police there in in greece and it's like it makes you worry like oh one of them's going to get caught they're going to separate the family they're going to lose their children they're going to be yeah it's it's yeah it, it's crazy it's 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 absolutely crazy and it's it's a great story uh what do you think melissa yeah i'm right there in line with you guys um i'm going to give this movie a high taste it it definitely doesn't reinvent the wheel of the sports biopic um i do have a nitpick though so when you read like the log line on Disney Plus before you start this movie, it says it's about this family and the three boys are the first trio to win championship rings. So I'm like, okay, I'm so excited to find out about these brothers and their relationship as they are winning these championship rings. And it's the first time that any trio has ever done that, et cetera, et cetera. I knew the story of Giannis. Um, I live in Chicago. Uh, I don't... I will root for the Bucks if the Bulls aren't playing or if they're done because they're <laughs> close to Chicago. <laughs> um, and I'm not like a true sports fan. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's not that's not important. What is important that it's like I was expecting this movie to be like about the brothers journey through the NBA and their relationship. But that's not what this movie's about. I just think that whoever wrote that copy for Disney Plus kind of did a disservice to the movie because this is really a movie about Giannis, and I think that's great. He definitely deserves a biopic, but now I want the sequel, which is what I thought I was watching in the first place. I agree with you. Um, I just think that this is like the more interesting – I would rather see that like in a documentary form. I think like if you're going to show us you know, the cinematic story of them – I think, yeah, we're on the same page then. So, like, you want to see that, too. Yeah. 
I want to see, I would love to see all of it. I just thought I was going to be seeing that other thing. So it took a while to be like, oh, we're not going to have time to see. I loved all the real life footage at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. even knowing what happened when he was in the draft, I got chills when it happened. Yeah. Like movies are fucking great. I love them. <laughs> um, you know, it's made my Disney. So it's even though you see those immigration conflicts, it's like pretty light. That's there's there's emotion there, but it's not. Uh, it doesn't hit as heavy as it would have, I think, in a movie produced by some somewhere else. Uh, I have to say, uh, Itsidi Pataki is so fucking attractive. <laughs> like, <laughs> I cannot handle it. She is wearing these like mom jeans throughout this movie, and it is just so cute and so attractive. And I just, I'm sorry, I have to say it. She's so good. She's so fucking. Oh my god! Like, I'm so uh, glad that someone finally said that Yatiti Badaki <laughs> is attractive because it, it's. I know. Thank We've you, never Melissa. Heard it before. Yeah, I'm sure she's never heard that before. Finally, I someone know. is speaking up for Yatiti Badaki. <laughs> Thank you so she much. She was well cast as a goddess. <laughs> I, she was. She was. But it's like you don't well get to cast. see her just wearing her like regular mom clothes in American Gods, and she's wearing them in Rise, and she looks amazing. And and I'm obsessed with her. She, I, she's always been my pick for uh, Storm in the MCU. Oh, yes, please. I've always wanted to see her as Storm in the MCU. I think she'd be fantastic in that role. I, uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about is uh, the boys sharing the one pair of shoes. Yes, they had one pair of shoes, and you know they had worn out their shoes so much that that they had one pair of shoes so like when they're playing in these in in these games that you know scouts are at to to watch them while one is playing the other one's on the sidelines in his socks and then they swap out the shoes and a lot of the other boys kind of like laugh at them because they're swapping shoes and then you know they don't say anything they don't fucking get on those boys and and yell at them or anything like that they let their game speak for itself and i love that and um another thing and i would extra ahead. level and when they get the nike contract and they speak about having to you know share shoes yeah yeah um another thing i wanted to point out is i really appreciated that they used the actual footage from the nba draft they actually had like david stern who's you know he's passed away but they actually had the the footage of David Stern during the NBA draft, like calling the name. So you heard, you know, David Stern uh, throughout this entire thing. And when he came out, I want to point this out. And not a lot of people might not know this. Um, he he comes out at the beginning and he says, "And thank you for that enthusiastic Brooklyn welcome." And he says that because I know for a fact because I have friends that live in Brooklyn that would uh, get on a website. We had a blog that we would talk about the NBA draft on. I had friends that would actually go there. And every time he comes out on stage, they fucking booed David Stern. They hated him. <laughs> and so they would fucking boo him and yell, fuck you and all this other shit. And he, David Stern was being sarcastic when he says shit like that. And thank you for that enthusiastic Brooklyn welcome. It's because people are booing him and they hate him. So I wanted to let people know about that. I thought I, as a fan, I thought that that was pretty funny. Um, 
Anyway. All right. So, yeah, that is Rise on Disney+. Plus. I highly recommend it. Uh, this is going to hurt uh, on AMC+. Plus. Uh, this has been out for a few weeks now on AMC+, Plus, but I wanted to get it on the list because it looked like it was an interesting show. It's set in London during 2006, and it focuses on a group of junior doctors working on a busy obstetrics and gynecology ward located in an NHS hospital. It has a frank and shocking honesty in the depiction of working in obstetrics and gynecology. It fully explores the emotional effects working in a hospital environment has on its staff. It explores the lack of support for junior doctors and how their achievements are unsung. The personal lives of junior doctors are also expl- – God, how many times are you going to fucking say that in this fucking synopsis? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're saying the same fucking thing like seven fucking times. Whoever wrote this needs to be shot, not the person at Disney Plus for the fucking Rise document. Whoever fucking I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, somebody needs to shoot this person, and then the people in that fu- in this hospital environment can fix them up. Jesus Christ, that was Good ridiculous. Luck. <laughs> oh my god! It stars Ben Whishaw as the main uh, as the main character, um, Ambika Mata as Shruti. Uh, Alex Jennings as Nigel Lockhart. <clears throat> we'll talk about some of these characters, but, um, uh, I've watched the first two episodes of this. It looks like all the episodes are up there. How many episodes was it total? Only, well, here's what I found out. Only five of like seven of them are up so far. Oh, really? But they've previously been on BBC One. Okay. But we can't watch that here in yeah. the U.S. So, I don't think all of them are available to us yet. Okay, so they'll probably be coming in the next, you know, week or two. So, um, wow, uh, yeah, th- I I like this quite a bit. Like, I don't like all the decisions our main character is making here. Ben Wishaw being an asshole. The voice yes. of Paddington. Oh, that's the voice of Paddington. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> I didn't know that. Fuck. Yeah, he's he kind of a kind of an asshole here. Like in this first episode, there's this he just wants to get go home and I think he's supposed to go to like this uh was it like a bachelor party? Mm-hmm. And he just wants to get out of there. He's already done like a twelve hour plus shift and there's a girl she's kind of complaining about, you know, feeling she's not feeling great during her pregnancy and she and and he's basically kind of like saying oh you're fine you're fine you're fine and he's taking the girl as an airhead he asks how many weeks she is and she adds up and she says like over 2000 and he's like no i'm talking about the baby (laughs) and kind of like writes her up as an airhead and like doesn't really uh take into consideration that you know she's a pregnant woman something doesn't feel right Maybe we need to do some testing. Sends her home. Come to find out it's a much more serious issue. And now they have to do a, um, uh, oh, what do they call it? When they take the baby out early. The C-section. C-section. Thank you. They have to do an emergency C-section. I think she's only like, the baby's like only, was it 25 yeah, weeks? Like 25, I yeah. think. 25 weeks. So very premature. Um, and... You know, this is – it's something that a lot of people are giving him a lot of grief for, which is 
totally understandable. Um, he's going through a ton of guilt about this to the point where he's like going into like the maternity ward and like sitting down next to the baby, watching the baby and hoping that the baby's going to pull through and be okay. And I'm hoping that makes him want to be a better doctor, but it does feel like they're very much overworked and underappreciated for what they do. Um, so I have mixed feelings on our main character here. Cause there's times where it's like, there's times where like his boss, Mr. Lockhart, Dr. Lockhart, I, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is such a dick. He's such a dick. But then you see like, this is a guy that is, Lockhart is doing his job. He's a, he may be a dick with a God complex, but he's very good at what he does. And he does everything by the book. And maybe he just wants his junior doctors to also, you know, to be like that as well. And it's like now, you know, it doesn't feel like Ben Wishaw's character of Adam is like really, I don't know. It, it's not, it feels like he's got his personal life, like seeping into his, into his, into his job here. And it, I mean, people's lives are at stake. People's babies are at stake. So, I mean, I'm only two episodes in. But I am enjoying the show quite a bit. It is definitely like a a raw kind of like real look at this. And like, you know, for what ER was in the 90s, I think this is something completely different. So um, I I do give it a tough I, – I give it a tough word. I want to get back to this quite a bit. And there's other characters in this like Shruti who I think is really an interesting character. But I want to hear from you guys. Uh, Melissa, what did you think about um, – I forgot the fucking name of it. Uh, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. Um, yeah, I like this. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I am pretty raw when it comes to content involving like pregnancy, babies, healthcare uh, in general. This is a hard and emotionally complex thing to watch at times. But it's also quite funny. Um, sometimes in a really dark way, which I like that. Um, I kind of like that we're following a character who sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that you have a grueling job, sir, but I think that even if he had the cushiest job in the world, he would still be an asshole. And like, I kind of respect it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm five episodes into the seven episode season. Uh, not to spoil anything. I think we're at kind of a low point, but honestly, like, I only have two episodes left, so I'm wondering if, like, what we're doing is hitting rock bottom in the finale and then waiting for a second season. Um, I like that I don't feel like I know where this show is going. Um, yeah, and I'm watching ER for the first time, which is a, a, a wonderful show. I'm enjoying it a lot, but I like this, like, um, critical eye on healthcare, especially when it comes to uh, maternity. All right, John, what'd you think? All right, so when I w if I had just stopped at the first episode, I think I would have just tasted it. Only because, I don't know, the first episode came across to me as they were trying too hard to be cool and dark and witty with his character. And I'm like, I'm like I know what you're doing. You know, he's like, uh, not the typical health care worker where 
you know, we, we just love them automatically. And I get he's trying to be dark and witty. And I liked it better in Nurse Jackie, which it reminded me a lot of. Um, but then after the first episode, it just picked, I don't know, I just settled into it and got really into it. And the it, the the trying too hard went away. And I think they just pulled off the dark humor perfectly. And it's starting to get into like high tasted Tupperware territory, I think, especially once I see the last two. I watched five, whatever, all that was available. Um, and yeah, he's just so it's just so hard to decide whether you like the main character, Adam, and that's part of what makes it so appealing. And um, his protege or whoever, Shruti's, she's a really interesting character. And um, I won't spoil anything, but I when I was looking for why the last two episodes weren't available, I accidentally started reading the plot scenarios of like six and I my mouth dropped. So I have to watch it now. Because, I can't wait. Yeah, it's just uh, it's crazy. I don't understand what how stuff happens in the last two episodes like it does. But um, Raw and Real is right. It, it just gets right in there with stuff and it gets really dark at times. And that was you know, some of it was hard to kind of sit through, and it doesn't leave you feeling very positive all the time. Um, but there is some levity uh, throughout, and the acting is great. Um, the production's great. Um, and uh, just don't eat during the operating scenes. Mm. That's my... <laughs> that's my um suggestion but, oh man i'm gonna yeah. be i'm gonna be fucking like slurping up some spaghetti you know what i mean <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah it's like i mean i think they really established how like fucking exhausted this guy was like w- like wasn't one of the first scenes in the first episode like he he had gotten off work and just fallen asleep in his car yeah, yeah. it's like jesus christ man yeah joe what did you think about this yeah, I, I thought it was really well acted. Um, I I liked a lot of the performances in it. I really liked his boss. Um, um, there's just something about medical dramas that that I can't do. Um, I I think that I burned out years ago on like Grey's Anatomy and like Private Practice, the spinoff from that, because I really liked Grey's Anatomy for like the first couple seasons. I can't and believe it, it's still on. It's I still, still on. like it. <laughs> I didn't mean in a bad way. I'm just, I'm just, surpri- I'm just surprised. Not, it, not in a bad way. It got to a oh, point we're all I, surprised. <laughs> I, I just turned to my wife one night as we were watching it, and I went, "Do we have to keep the doing this? Like, do you even like this?" And she's like, "I don't like it." And I'm like, "Then let's just let it go." And 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 I haven't really been able to get back to medical drama type stuff since. But admittedly, also like it, it makes me very squeamish. Um, the, the scenes in this where it was actually showing the operating and it was kind of, you know, like, you know, just get in there with your finger and you know, you know like, yeah. you're not going to hurt anything. And it's like, uh, again, the, the wet squelching noises, <laughs> it's like, it works for me in stranger things, but in real medical documentaries it's, or not documentaries, but like real medical shows and procedures and stuff like that. It, it, it's too much for me. And my brain kind of goes to a place when I watch these shows where it's like when they talk about the medical stuff in my head, I'm just like medical, medical, medical. And it's like, okay, <laughs> yep. Overworked sleepy doctors. This is a problem in England too. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's, it all just seems kind of routine for me. Um, hearing you guys talk about how in the later episodes, especially John, when you're saying that you're reading spoilers and it's making your jaw drop, that it is intriguing to me, but I don't know if I can get past my, 
my my hesitance to just jump into this genre just because it's not really my thing but but i did think that the performances in this were really fine i liked some of the scenarios in the first episode um you know especially when he's uh you know uh, uh has his you know assistant that he's that he's training or whatever you know do that surgery later on and then the curtain drops and the people are freaking mm-hmm. out about her being the one i thought that that was pretty right on like okay i kind of like that this guy's got you know enough steel in his character to do the right thing <laughs> and yeah. um and yeah i mean you talk about a sleepy guy with him falling asleep in his car before he's even left the hospital but even more so later on like you've got to be sleepy to take a nap like in a strip club <laughs> like oh know. and i love the i love the <laughs> uniform vending machine i guess i didn't realize that that they just get those their scrubs out of a vending machine and mm-hmm. i don't that just makes me happy <laughs> i it totally makes sense um yeah, it's funny too. He put those ones on there, the high waters. Yeah, <laughs> you could, you could, they were almost fitting them like like uh, like capris or something. You know? I think, uh, but yeah, I just I didn't watch past the first episode just because mm. the subject matter really didn't click with me. But but it is exciting to hear that that you guys are are really into it, um, Melissa. It sounds like you're really on board with, with the medical related stuff as is as well. So you know that's yeah. cool. It's not my genre, if that helps. I, I don't seek out medical procedural type shows, um, but um, yeah, it definitely caught my attention. I don't either. And- I don't watch Grays. That, that's what the kids call it, Grays. <laughs> you know, I don't watch that stuff. I don't watch. I don't watch the medical stuff either. So, but I just. For some reason, I just felt compelled to go back and watch the second episode, and I feel like I want to keep watching this one it's not like i don't know if i'll binge it but i I do want to continue to watch it is it a spoiler talking about the identity of the main character like sexual identity (laughs) that gave it away but i don't know (laughs) i thought the the, uh, it's not often you get like uh gay lead characters that um uh that are a little more out of type you know and and i think that was kind of interesting and different for this show yeah i can't see his relationship working working (laughs) at all it's 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 like what are they hanging on to at this point i'm just like i you gotta imagine for you know his boyfriend it's gotta be very hard to stay in this relationship goes in 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 crazy places too after a few episodes i it it's intriguing yeah. Was that his brother's stag night that he was that he left that party from and his brother kind of freaked out on him? I think it was just I a think... really good friend. Okay. In my mind, it's like a fraternity brother. Like yeah. I think that that's the main character's like quote unquote best friend. Yeah. Um but they have seemed to have, you know, taken different paths in life. Their relation. I mean, his relationships are strained with everyone because he's tired and he's overworked and he's yeah. a dick and <laughs> uh, you know his parents are horrible. Like, yes. Oh my god, the parents are great characters. Oh, really I haven't good. even got. I haven't even gotten yeah. there yet. His mom is played by um Harriet Walter, who I yeah. always love to see. I didn't know her before, but she is great. She's in um Killing Eve. Oh, okay. she's in a she's in a hundred million things but that's the one that i know yeah that's lately yeah but this uh yeah this is going to hurt is created by adam k uh and it's based on his memoir of the same name so he's the the 
Ben Wishaw is playing the lead, uh, playing Adam K in this. So, um, yeah, I'm going to continue to watch this one. I, I really, oh, I hope I continue to watch this one. I say that this is one I definitely want to get back to. Um, I am Richard Pryor on Paramount Plus. Uh, this is another entry in the I Am series. There's been like I Am Heath Ledger, I Am Chris Farley. Um, we talked about what was it? I Am John Ritter, I believe, was another one we we discussed. Um, this tells the story of the legendary performer and iconic social satirist who transcended race and social barriers by delivering his honest, irreverent, and biting humor to America's stages and living rooms until his death at 65. Featuring an iconic comedic cast, historians, activists, and artists who provide a unique brushstroke into the complex world of Richard Pryor. The film dives deeply into the psyche of a comedic genius whose mother was a prostitute, father a pimp, and grandmother a madam. Pryor dispensed a penetrating comedic view of African-American life, essentially comedy without jokes that struck a chord with audiences of every ethnic, social, and economic disposition. And, uh, yeah, it's got, uh, tons of interviews of, uh, people that were, uh, you know, comedians that were fans. Also other comics that knew him personally. His ex-wife Jennifer Lee is in this. But, uh, yeah, Mike Epps, who actually played him in a, in a movie. Uh, Lily Tomlin, Howie Mandel, Jimmy Walker, Tiffany Haddish, Sandra Bernhard. A lot of, lot of different people being interviewed about this. But, uh, I, I wanted to watch this. I've, I've always, in- enjoyed Richard Pryor's uh, comedy. I, I loved his movies growing up as a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, I, me and Jake and John, are you, were you born in Peoria? Yes. Live here now. Yeah. You're still in Peoria. Like, yeah. Really? Richard Pryor was born in Peoria and, and we were all, I was born at St. Francis Medical Center. So I was born in Pekin. Oh, uh, nice. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the, you know, a lot of stuff I knew about Richard Pryor, but then it got into a lot of stuff that I didn't know or I forgot about. And um, I thought this is a, a really good documentary. But I want to hear from Joe. What did you think about I Am Richard Pryor? This is the the first of the, the I Am uh, series, I guess, that I've ever seen. Uh, so I, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what I was going to get into in terms of format, but I thought it was a, a really good format for 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 a docu series. I'll have to check out some of the other offerings. Um, you know, I had like kind of a, a cursory knowledge of Richard Pryor. You know, I I grew up. I was born in '80, so I, I saw plenty of the the movies that that he was in growing up, and I've always heard references to him and stuff. I've never really gone out and sought out his comedy, but after watching this, it really made me want to look up some of his stuff. And and see how sometimes it's kind of interesting to go back to those comedy albums uh, from from the in the you know late seventies eighties um, you know sometimes the stuff still works other times you know totally not but yeah um, other times you have Eddie Murphy raw and it's just like oh wow <laughs> some of that stuff is some of that stuff holds up and others yeah. in it it's like it's it's very cringy and dated and it's yeah. like wow yeah. I haven't heard people talk like this since the nineties you know? right <laughs> and um. And so I, I think the little bits of clips that they showed of of Pryor's stand up in this, it made me want to go and and check it out because I've only ever heard it in passing. I've never like in, intentionally sought out like yeah, I'm going to go and listen to, you know, to to this guy's comedy at this point. But uh, it was really interesting to learn more about him. I, I knew that 
you know, he was the guy who, who lit himself on fire free basing. I, I knew that, you know, he's, he'd grown up in a whorehouse and that he was from Peoria. I knew all that little stuff, but there was so much more. I, I didn't know that he had started his early days, um, you know, basically doing the same sort of comedy that like Bill Cosby was doing, you know, really playing to a, to a white crowd and, and watching him kind of go through that evolution that he did as an artist and a performer was, was really cool the way it was uh, portrayed in the series um, or in the documentary. It's, it's also really sad too to, um, you know, when you watch these things, a documentary on somebody that, you know, since they've passed on and, and it gets to that portion of their life, you know, where they had clear demons and, and to, you know, kind of deal with that, they, they turn to, to drugs and stuff. And then that, you know, never really goes well. And so this was one of those document documentaries where it was cool to learn all this stuff about him, but it was also really sad to, to, to learn the other stuff. And, Especially when you see that in an entertainer, you know, to know that somebody who brings so much joy to so many people like hurts so much themselves, you know. So there was a bit of sadness with this, but um, it did make me want to go and and seek out more Richard Pryor stuff beyond Superman four. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Superman three. Uh, oh, it's three. Ah, wrong, wrong. Yeah. Drop. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a high taste for me, and and uh, it makes me want to watch some more stuff from from this series, but the couple names that you dropped, I was like, Oh, those ones are probably going to be sad too. <laughs> Chris Farley mm-hmm. and, and Heath Ledger. But, um, you know, Hey, sometimes life is sad. And, yeah. um, and yeah, but th- this was, this was really good. I was excited to see it on the list. Yeah. I remember like, you know, he, uh, when he was diagnosed with MS, I think, I think it might be his last role. And it was, um, it was hard to see him in it. He was uh, suffering from MS while filming it. If you've ever seen The Lost Highway, um, David Lynch directed movie. Uh, I think he he's playing a like a like a auto body or some kind of like car shop owner, um, and in that movie. And I think he's in a wheelchair throughout in that role. But I think that might be Richard Pryor's last role. And I remember. I don't remember a lot about that movie because I don't, I'm not a big David Lynch guy, and I, but I watched it, and uh, that's the one thing I do remember is is seeing Richard Pryor in that movie, like in his final role. But um, yeah, uh, it was some of the interviews that they had with him, uh, you know, while he's filming movies with Gene Wilder, which I loved Silver Streak. Uh, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite comedies. I love seeing those two. Uh, uh, Hear no evil, see no evil is another one that I absolutely love with those two. I, one of my, <laughs> yes. it's so good. It's so good. You know, I, I love both those guys together. But like that interview where he's just like kind of like trashing Gene Wilder and, and you could tell he's under the influence of drugs. It was really sad to watch him because you could tell he was just like hurting on the inside. And uh, really, really hard to watch. I'll also give this uh, a very high taste. It. Um, I think there's a lot more of his story to be told. And they were supposed to do a biopic with Mike Epps at one time. He was supposed to get another crack at it, kind of like a a bigger Hollywood production with Mike Epps. But it just never kind of panned out. Um, Melissa, what did you think about I Am Richard Pryor? I actually didn't catch this, and I'm so disappointed. I didn't didn't know anything about Richard Pryor before 
this conversation even. So I think that I'll try to seek this out um, when I catch some time later this week. Oh, no worries. John, did you get a chance to see this? Yes. You get the gold star, buddy. Yay! (laughs) Melissa, no gold star. You stole my sticker! You got no gold star! Yes. John, what'd you think? Gold number two. Um, no, I think, Melissa, you'd be a perfect person to watch this movie because, especially if you know, don't know anything, the amount of um, fascinating facts that they go over about him is a Tupperware on its own. I mean, just because I have a kind of a cursory knowledge of him, especially coming from this area. I'm you know, embarrassed I don't know more. But, man, there's just so many interesting I mean, the whole thing was just fascinating from beginning to end. I overall, again, I like Brian, I'd give it the highest of taste it's as a movie overall, just because I feel like it was still kind of scratching the surface of how gritty, you know, he was. And just um, I don't know, I felt like it could have gone deeper. Um, But man, there were so many interesting things. I felt like there was a little bit of a missing link that I wanted to know from the transition from him being a kid to going into comedy um they just briefly mentioned him being on this like chitlin circuit of comedy shows but they don't talk much about that and then all of a sudden he's just like on big comedy stages so uh, maybe i just missed a little bit of that beginning story um the whole spreading the ashes thing caught me a little uh and i i don't know i didn't love that 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 she it was kind of more like she took over the movie, his ex-wife towards the end. Um, but I don't know. That's minor nitpick, but man, I, I got the same feeling too. Like you've been holding on to those just so you could get in front of the camera and do this or something. Yeah. That's weird. Right. Yeah. It's a little weird, but I feel I like, I feel like she would, I don't know if she ever would have done it. It feels like she just waited for like the production to pay for it. And they were like, this would be good for the movie. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. But Man, I loved a lot of the stuff about the racial tension, like him explaining the two different acid trips, like him as a black man having the acid trip versus the white guy he's with having his acid trip and how those were different just based on what they've been through. And, um, man, there there is a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and how he said, I've sucked a dick. You know, I didn't know how much they would go into his, like, the gay rumors. Um, yeah, what, what was it him and Marlon Brando or something? Yes, that's what I, that's the one I've always heard. Me too, about. yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it's too much of a rumor to go into it in, in, to, in a factual documentary type thing, but. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot, I think there's a lot that just, you know, is 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 under the surface that this didn't go into, but otherwise it's. It's 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 so fascinating. It is very fascinating. Like when I think of like, you know, comics that were legends and pioneers that paved the way. I think of um, Richard Pryor, uh, Lenny Bruce. um, You got to throw George Carlin into that list as well. Yes. And. I'm I'm kind of an award award nerd and I know awards don't mean everything, but I looked it up and he was nominated 11 years in a row for a Grammy comedy album prior. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. And he won five of them. Jesus. I mean, and all I loved his stuff with Lily Tomlin. Yes. I know he won 
he won an award. He won an Emmy for writing on the Lily Tomlin show. And I don't think he would have gotten that if it weren't for her and how much she recognized his his talent. And, um, you know, what, you know what I loved <laughs> what I loved about Lily Tomlin when I was a kid. Big chair, the big chair. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I also love the on Saturday Night Live or was it on her own? Sh- I think it was on her own show. Yeah. Because I remember watching that and just loving it. Um, but um, The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Yes. And that's <laughs> something I need to rewatch because I have such fun. I've only seen it when I was young, when I was little. I watched it again in my 20s and it just brought so back so many memories of me watching that when I was a kid. I Like the point where she gets so small and you can't see her anymore. And when I was a kid, I just kept thinking like – She's just going to keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I was obsessed with that movie when I was a kid. I absolutely love anything where like anything where anybody would get small. That's why I loved inner space. Oh, yeah. That movie's fantastic. Oh, uh, that's one I, I would love. I would love to see them redo inner space now with like today's like special effects and shit. I think it'd yeah, be fun. that would be very cool. Yeah. Like. I don't know who you'd get to play like the Martin Short role today, but uh, I don't know. They'd figure something out. Anyway, yeah, that's I Am Richard Pryor. You can watch it on uh, Paramount Plus. And um, yeah, uh, let's talk about the one that got away on Amazon. Did it? Who who else got a chance to watch any of this? Me. I watched two episodes of this. <laughs> I watched the the first episode of it. John, John I how, all of them. John, I love you. Thank God. <laughs> John, I fucking love you, man. Oh I'm my! So excited, John. John, I'm not even talking to Melissa and Joe because I know they hated it. Um, <laughs> I get. I, I haven't talked to them about it, but I can just tell. John, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm through. I'm, I, I'm through seven episodes, and oh I, my God. I fucking love this show, dude. It is my easiest Tupperware of the week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Here it is. Here it is. It's a reality dating show, and here's the synopsis reads: It's been said that by the age of 25, most people have already met the one; they just don't know it. Six lucky singles embark on a new social experiment, where for the first time, this question is answered: What if the person you're meant to spend your future with is from your past? One by one, people from their past enter through the portal. To surprise singles with a chance at love. And listen, when I first started this show, I was probably, you know, like 20, 30 minutes in. I was not enjoying it until Alyssa went to the porthole and outwalked and outwalked McLovin. I was just like, that's exactly what I said. I was just like, holy shit, McLovin walked out of the portal. And they play groovy ass music for him. Oh my God. I am. Fucking okay. Let I'm obsessed with this show. I like the actual McLovin from No, 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 no. The dude looks like McLovin. (laughs) Okay, I was like, what? (laughs) No, the guy just looks like McLovin. I think I know who you're talking about now. The guy that was kind of the 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 dorky guy with the model. They knew each other in high school, but he turned into like smooth white guy who looks like McLovin. Yes. Okay, I'm with you now. Okay. <laughs> I was like, shit, I should have kept watching. This is about to get weird. <laughs> oh my, I'm obsessed. This is, yeah, the, John, it's the easiest Tupperware for me too. Yes. I fucking immediately messaged Jake and I said, you've got to watch the one that got away. 
I oh said, God, I hope he likes it. <laughs> I hope he likes it. Oh, he's going to love it. Jake will love this. <laughs> Jake is going to – I I love the social experiments of it. It's like yes. you you get all these people. They've got Alyssa, Ashley, Jeff, Casey, Nigel, and Vince. And they're all at this beautiful resort. Uh, it's hosted by Betty Who. And they go to the porthole, portal and <laughs> porthole. Uh, port they go to the portal and out walks someone from their past and the reactions from some of these people in the show, these singles is either like they're really excited. Uh, maybe they're, you know, oh, and then sometimes they're just outright fucking like pissed <laughs> off about who's coming out of the portal. Like Alyssa, her reactions wow. are the best. Best. I can't th- like there's one episode like she's an Instagram model and um, her big thing was like she was kind of like I hate I, I don't know I guess like she it took her until she was out of high school to get noticed like when she was in high school nobody noticed her and then you know she's a tall woman and then McLovin she, did McLovin <laughs> noticed her but like now now she's like this Instagram model. So like all these fucking thirsty guys are after her because she's this fucking model now. And like, it sounds like nobody gave her the time of day in high school. So this, this, there's an episode. I can't remember what episode it was. It was like five or six or something. This one guy walks out. She has no fucking idea who this guy is. And he's like, hi, my name's Daniel. I follow you on Instagram. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck this is what you send me she's like no you go right back through the portal and she's I feel like the portal is doing that girl dirty like they know how she's gonna react and they're putting people in there to make yes because it. she's doing it it's, every time it's great tv it's fucking great trash tv and i love it and she like <laughs> then we get to hear her talk about this guy she's like i don't know what is going on here she's like i can't do this like this gnomish looking man with <laughs> with gray hair walks out of the portal. He follows me on Instagram. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm losing my shit. I'm just like, I'm loving it. But there's like a lot of drama. Um, my favorite character so far in this reality dating series has been Anthony. I fucking love that guy. And uh, he just fucking slays me. So this is an absolute Tupperware Um Joe, you watched one episode. You were out, bro, right? Yeah, I mean, these sorts of shows just really aren't for me. But hearing you say that they're intentionally fucking with the Instagram model now, because I had a feeling that was like everybody else is so happy. And she's the only one sitting there with the sour milk face. And to hear that they just keep doing that again and again. I kind of want to go back and watch the train wreck. Dude. Joe, you've got to. Yeah. There's... I, I, I might. It's, this sounds like a really good thing to just kind of throw on in the background. Alyssa doesn't like – stuff like that. Alyssa doesn't like the guys that she's getting coming out of the portal to the point where she starts going after one of the other singles guys. It just yes. took too long to – I saw that in the previews, but it took Same. too long to get there. Like my thing about this show is I – wish that they would have crammed all the drama they had into like four or six episodes so that I did not have to sit through any of the cute shit. (laughs) (laughs) I do not care if you're happy. I do not care if you guys love each other. 
on drama and drama alone. <laughs> oh, it gets there. Thank God. <laughs> I just love it because I like it's these like shows when they get really wild. Like yeah. I loved like the old Rock of Love. Yes. And like, oh my God. Like, like Tool Academy and shit like that. Those VHS you know shows that were so. New York. Dude, uh, listen, yeah, listen. Do you know what I was watching? Do you know what I was. fun. Do you know what I was watching on Pluto TV at like 1230 last night? I was watching I Love New York season one. So oh, excellent. Yeah, it's so good. It's so fucking good. I fucking love that show. But the thing I like about those is that I don't take them seriously at all because it's like you're watching, you're like, who are all these crazy fucking people? This is just, it's so wild. It can't be real. And I think one of the best, I think one of the most refreshing things about this show that sets it apart from just like the Bachelorette type shows is that there's no structure every episode where like, Anyone can come through the portal at any time. Anyone can send home at any time. And there's just no rule. Like, there's just, it, there's just no rules. And there's you're like, no production to be seen <laughs> on this show. I, it comes across maybe a little rough on the first, a yeah. little like haphazard on the first episode. But once you get into it, it's just like the excitingness of there not being like, oh, it's not like every episode this many people go home and you have to decide this by the end of. Yeah. There's not a ceremony. It's just like, no, I'm going to tell you, this is, you've got to go and it could happen at any point in time. Oh, wow. And fucking, I was, Ashley is the biggest fucking Karen I have ever (laughs) met in any show. White girl that, um, broke up with her boyfriend before the show because he lived with his mom. Yes. yes. And that because <laughs> after two episodes, I liked her, but I'm not surprised at all to find out it goes downhill. Oh, she's <laughs> terrible. She is a horrible because person. When she told the guy, like, sorry, I brought you to the pool, but like, we're not fucking. I was like, <laughs> OK, OK, I love this. But yeah, she, she definitely ends up had kissing that. The, the next guy right after she sees him. It, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, like the next guy, fucking Taylor, comes out of the portal and she's like, can I kiss you? And he's like, uh, yeah. sure. <laughs> so it, she was just trying to prove a point to fucking Kyle. And Kyle turns out to be like a really kind of like caring guy when no one else yeah. is later on at the pool party. Oh, so that's amazing. It's wild. It is a wild show. I do think that fucking kyle was being a little too forward in the pool and should have fucking I mean, backed off but i could feel that she did not want these advances and he was still doing them and yeah. i'm like i'm on my couch buddy you have to become aware of your surroundings he's like, fucking he's 28 he's young dumb and full yep. of cum and so yep. yeah you need to back off dude um but Kyle, like, I actually started to like Kyle at the pool party, which was I, wild. So, and then everybody, everybody turns on fucking Ashley. She's up. She is the biggest fucking Karen. <laughs> I, I, it's just, um, it's great too, because there's the six main people who are there for love and they get all these people coming in for them. And then in the guest house, all the people, you know, the dregs that, are the people that they're going for have to live together and they have this camaraderie together. Do any of them sleep with each other? Well, I haven't gotten that far, so don't tell me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's just say anything can happen. Oh, I can't wait. I, I, this is a, this is a Tupperware for me, (laughs) Joe, you're at a, you're at a, probably a toss it. Oh no, it was just a taste it for me. I feel like these things aren't really, I'm not really well situated to, to rate them. You know, because it's not my my. It's not really my thing, you know. 
Yeah, I don't. I can't even say that this is like. I think this show is a Trojan horse of like the Bachelor or the Bachelorette. It's like this is oh. what you think you're getting, but inside that Trojan horse, yeah. you're getting fucking Jerry Springer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This the people who are making the show are like herding cats. I feel like <laughs> because can we can we just talk about like this magical forest that they're going to meet the people in the portal in. And like, I am just picturing this on like a sound stage, this like mystical forest, but like five feet away is like craft services, but they're having these like <laughs> stressful introductions. I think it'd be great if like a fucking minotaur walked out of the portal. Oh my God. It would be amazing. And like, <laughs> like, 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 like fucking, what was it? Like, uh, What's his name? James McAvoy in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe walks out and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking I'm getting stressed out. Like, who – like, put yourself in this position. Like, who could they find from your past? These people are fucking random. Like, yeah. how did you find them and who did it's you It's Facebook. It's and all like, fucking Facebook. That's all they do. Some of, them end up, some of them end up being very close people that they know really well. Yes. But some of them are yeah. super Interesting. Random. And, like, the the guy who – it's the girl from, like, uh, the fraternity, sorority, like, mutual friend group. I'm like, did you guys do due diligence that, like, they did not have, like, <laughs> drama with each other's, like, friends? Because, like, it's just – the the idea that these are people from the past and you don't know who they are, like how you met them and maybe don't even remember them, like that is so stressful to me to contemplate. They've got to have some sort of like in like major fucking interview process with mm-hmm. these yeah. people. So and they, and like they want to try to get yeah. people that are going to be good for TV as well, because like I think once they introduce this one guy, Quinn, he fucking puts me to sleep. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm at just a taste it with this, and it's because of that. Like, there's too much of this. This is just, like, slow. I think the one thing they missed out on is having, like, a, a bisexual contestant or like, – Yeah. Because you always expect a man to come out for the women or, you know, or even the gay character. You always expect a boy to come out. I thought the same so, like, thing. I think it mm-hmm. would have been fun if they had been, like, all of a sudden – for this girl, you know, another girl comes out. Uh, but anyway. But- I thought the same thing. I was like, why didn't they – why didn't they do something like that? Why have we not they like make, the last time we got something like that was like the Tila Tequila show. Yeah. They should make this show and everybody's bisexual. Yeah. Two houses. Like there's, there's too many. Everybody's bisexual. Options. Yeah. One of my favorite shows and it was on Bravo. Like I'm talking like nearly 20 years ago and they only had one season of it. It was called Boy Meets Boy. And it was basically one guy and they would have like – it was kind of like a rock of love where they had like 20 guys in the house trying to get with this one guy. And I've it was, never heard of this. Oh, my God. It was really good. I was obsessed with the show. It was on Bravo for one season, and then they never brought it back for a second. Um, but I was obsessed with the show. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was on Bravo. I don't know if you can still find it out there, but I, oh, it's really good. You should check it out. It's really good. But, um, I, yeah. I thought the host on this had a very weird – selective accent it was like right words she would say where it was like okay she's american and then she's like from your past yes it was like like watching it was like watching carrie fisher at the beginning of star wars like is she (laughs) is she british is she not yes it was it was i kept turning to Lindsay and saying do you know where she's from like because like sometimes she has no accent and certain words you know has an accent yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sold on her as a host at first. She doesn't have a lot to do it in the beginning episodes, but she has some really fun moments later. She sings for She's a good a singer too. At like a private singer and she and she's the one who introduces how everyone's coming through the portal. So they're like, oh, fuck, another person. Don't give me her, Betty. But, like, um, it's funny. The portal is, like, its own character because it's so funny when they have to send someone home. They have to say, I'm sorry, but I have to send you back through the portal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they're really sticking to that portal theme. Oh, yeah. I they, love they... how serious these shows take that crap. Yes, it is so yeah. funny every time. <laughs> That's the best part. When they start saying, like, you just don't know what to expect here because the portal can do anything. I'm like, <laughs> it. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a fucking spotlight that they're walking through. I know. And it's not a real <laughs> portal. They can't see who the person is. It's like a blinding light. <laughs> I love it, too, when they fucking have, like, a new person getting ready to come. Betty comes to get, you know, one of the singles and she's like, all right, uh, Vince, uh, I know it's been a really difficult day for you, but, uh. Time to get worse. We got somebody waiting for you at the portal. And, and half the and time. this person could be hotter than your other day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, he'll, like the, everybody makes out with everybody on the first date. And then by the time they're on the second date, they forget about the person that they went on the first date with. They're just like, okay. They come out holding hands and shit. Yeah. And then the one girl's like, everybody's holding hands. I don't understand why I don't have that. And I'm over here like, I do not understand how these people are touching. You guys do not know each other. <laughs> All right. We got it. We got to wrap this one up. But it's called The One That Got Away. And it is on Prime Video. And I am obsessed with this fucking show. <laughs> oh, my God. It's uh, it's very fucking good. Yeah. Connor, Connor was when we out uh, right before we saw the movie uh, Thor, Connor and I were walking around and he's like, yeah, I'm watching this reality show on prime video i go does it have to do with dating <laughs> does it have is it on prime and and, and, was, and then he was like yeah it's it's that show yeah we both he's obsessed with it too anyway uh we'll do one more and then we'll take a break dark winds on uh, amc plus this is going to be a total of six episodes i have watched two episodes uh joe leaphorn and his new deputy jim chi investigate a series of crimes on a Navajo reservation in the 1970s. It's created by Graham Roland, based on the Leaphorn and Chi novel series by Tony Hillerman. It's executive produced by George R.R. R. Martin and Robert Redford. And uh, Zahn McLarnon uh, plays Joe Leaphorn. Kiowa Gordon is Jim Chi. And uh, yeah, this is... Uh, I mean, there's different crimes going on on this within the Navajo reservation. And I don't know if they're all, if they're unrelated or, or what's going on here. There's the death of a, of a, of a young girl and an older man. And then at the beginning of the series, like there's this insane bank heist that ends with a helicopter landing in the street and then people taking off with a bunch of money. So I was kind of, they just kind of like reminded me of like, if you've seen the movie Heat, I was just like, holy shit, yeah. this is, yeah, kind of reminded me of, of that. But there's all these, there's these two kind of, yeah, I would say two unrelated crimes, but they're kind of being brought together into this series. And, um, yeah, Joe, what did you think of Dark Winds? 
Yeah, when when I saw this on the list and looked it up and saw that the main character was was Zon McLarnan, I was like a hundred percent in. He was like he was <laughs> I, in, he was in Fargo. Was it season two? I'm not sure. I've never seen any of the Fargo shows. Oh, um, but uh, the last thing I saw him in was Hawkeye, uh, playing playing Echo's dad. Right, right. And, Westworld. And, Westworld. Uh, yeah. Yes, he is in Westworld as well. That's right. And I mean, he's just electric in everything that I've seen him in. I'm a really big fan of the actor and and also just the premise of this show that, you know, he's he's a sheriff on this on this reservation. And they're, you know, looking into these crimes that might have a, a bit of a supernatural link to him as well. And so I'm like, oh, sign me up. And I watched the first four episodes of this so far. Um, I think at the time I was watching, that's all that was out. Otherwise, I would have kept going because um so far, this is this has been a Tupperware for me. I've I've really really been enjoying it. Um, there there are times where it almost has a feel to it, like something that you would see more on network television than something you would see on like a, a streaming service. Like it doesn't quite go as hard as as some of the other stuff. But I think the performances and the storyline so far really win out because um, because basically what's happening is you know since there was a murder on the reservation. He's not allowed to investigate that because it becomes a, a, a federal crime. So the FBI has to be the ones to investigate this. But everyone on the reservation believes, yeah, the FBI don't care about really investigating if if, if there's a dead Native American on this ranch. They're, they're not or on this reservation. They're not going to give it their their you know full attention. Whereas the FBI is really wanting to investigate this this armored car robbery that happened and the people take off in a helicopter and it's last seen, you know, traveling onto the reservation. And so it's like the FBI is kind of trying to work with the sheriff here to, to, you know, you could, you wash my back, I'll wash yours. You know, you help me out with this investigation that we are not legally allowed to do into this helicopter going into your land. And, and we'll help you out by actually paying attention to this murder investigation that you're not legally allowed to investigate. And and the way that, that it goes on and the way that these things eventually kind of the, the different elements start to work together, it's a, it's a really compelling story so far. And this new deputy that comes in that's working with him, I feel like he's a very compelling character as well. And just uh, learning these different things about, you know, the uh, Navajo life and stuff on this reservation is really interesting. There's um, an episode where the main character's niece is uh you know about to go through this uh thing that they do when when girls are coming of age and that was really really interesting to see um God, so far this is just a really great show for me it's like uh like you said earlier it's set in the 70s so i feel like it's got some great vehicles in it as well uh if you're into seeing those other vehicles i'm absolutely in love in this with this suv <laughs> the, the, the the main character is driving around and i'm like oh my gosh i want one of these um but yeah uh only six episodes I've only got two to go. This is absolutely one I'm going to be finishing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm in a Tupperware for this one. I feel like it's like scratching that uh, true detective itch that I've had yeah. since yeah. the first season ended. And we haven't really gotten, you know, great true detective seasons since. So like this is like really filling in that gap for me. Um, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I think I'm in a Tupperware on this one. I, I, I think it's, I think it's well acted and, it's it's fantastic so far, John. What do you think? What do you think about Dark uh, Dark Winds? Yeah, I watched the four episodes that are available. I think Joe's right; the last two aren't aren't available yet. Um, and uh, I'm at a high taste it. 
potential Tupperware. Um, the story is the best part. I think the most intriguing part is the difference between, you know, Navajo or, you know, the law on the reservation versus the law of of the country. And I think if they go into that more, that that's really intriguing how the, you know, just how law works different on reservations. And uh, I don't think there's a lot of shows that are that are highlighting that. Um, there was a if, if you can still find it, um, Morgan Spurlock used to do. After he did um, the, the McDonald's, uh, yeah, yeah, he did the Super Size Me. But after he did yeah. that, he did a, a a show called Thirty Days. And oh, I remember. Have you? I think you've talked about this before. Yeah, he did like you know thirty days where he'd do something new for thirty days that he you know that maybe uh, would be an interesting kind of uh, way of life that he could live for thirty days. Well, he lived thirty days on a Native American reservation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they have, yes, they have their own tribal police. They have their own laws. They have their own way of life. Um, The reservation he was on, um, the government, our government, since it is separate from their government, did not supply them with running water. Like these people don't have running water. They don't have indoor, outdoor plumbing. And it is crazy. It is crazy. And, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's totally different, and I I am fascinated by that too, John. Yeah, and I uh, I, I forgot how to pronounce his name, Zon McLaren. Yeah, I thought he was you know definitely the best as far as acting by far, and he, he, his minimalist acting it was just perfect. And um, I, I I love the part that there's like a supernatural element that we don't quite know about yet. I was I was a little confused. I didn't quite get that it was from in the 1970s till I looked after. Um, I'm not sure that quite hit me. I maybe just thought the, that they had old cars. I I figured it out when they when when they went to the Mormon family's car and they still were using eight tracks. That was a big. Oh yeah, true. I don't know why I didn't catch that. <laughs> but it's really. I, I thought it was. Oh, the one thing that worries me is Rain Wilson. I don't know if I can take him seriously in a drama. I know that's kind of a nitpick maybe, but he he sort of bothers me. But I know, Brian, you haven't watched The Office, so maybe you won't have that issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he He, hasn't been in it that much yet. He's only showed up in like a commercial that I've seen, like within the show, so... Oh, I noticed Robert Redford is an executive producer, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 Melissa, what do you think about Dark Winds? Yeah, I'm giving this <clears throat> excuse me. I'm giving this a Tupperware through four episodes. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, it feels sort of like a companion to Under the Banner of Heaven. I haven't watched um, that. Is that the the Andrew Garfield? That, yeah, and that is about um, crimes taking place within the Mormon community in Salt Lake City. Um, but And the reason I think that these two shows kind of work uh, in conversation with each other is just in terms of, like, exploring how a specific community or a specific faith and personal ideologies, like, play a role in the solving of crimes but then on the flip side like how those same forces are manifesting differently actually in the crimes themselves uh it's different communities in both shows but 
they're both doing that. And I think it's really cool. <laughs> what was that, John? Um, oh, I just said she said that so eloquently. I Oh, thank you. John was John was just mesmerized by your word yeah, structure. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert: I uh, rewatched some of Under the Banner of Heaven and podcasted about it elsewhere today, so it's been top of mind. Um, but yeah, I think that the law enfor- the three lo- core law enforcement characters are super interesting, all in their own rights. I love the way that they kind of function off of each other when they're in like their little different uh, combinations. Um, some of my favorite, favorite parts are some of my favorite parts are like just watching, you know, Joe and Jim in the vehicle driving to like yeah, the next place yeah. and talking. Yeah, I yeah. really, really like all that stuff. Uh, my favorite character is Lee Porn's wife. Her name's Emma. She's played by Deanna Allison. Um, I really love that character, the way that she's taking in girls in the community and doing these ceremonies and making sure everyone is cared for. She's just sweet and the way that she's being like so secretly snarky with this RC Cola in their house. <laughs> like I just, I just love it. Um, That's what my grandparents is... drank was RC Cola. <laughs> RC Cola. Yeah. I'd go I over to my, RC. I'd go over to my grandpa's house and that's the, that's the, what they had was the Royal crown. They had RC Cola. They love that RC Cola. My, my grandpa would eat that and ho-hos. <laughs> 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 yep, my my grandpa Bob. Yeah, Enjoyed. I have a grandpa Bob. I had an uncle Bob as well. Well, I had my one. That's Bob. Oh, I love these Bobs. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> We're bobbing for leftovers. I'm glad we <laughs> stalled the podcast to talk about relatives in our family <laughs> named Bob. Martha. I mean, they just don't do enough Bobs these days. We only have. Maverick, and that's it. Yes, and minions. <laughs> oh God, that fucking baby on board line. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Glenn Powell. I was thinking Glenn Powell would be a good Bobby Iceman, Joe. Oh, he would be. Right? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Do you think when the MCU introduces uh, Iceman, do you think they'll make him a gay character, Joe? I think they should. I think they will. I hope so. Yeah, so I think that they will. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dark Winds. I, sorry, Melissa. I, I'm sure you had more things to say. We got off track talking about Bob's and then. Oh, I, I have one more thing and yeah. it is a dumb joke, but I'll tell you anyway. Okay. Uh, Dark Winds is a The American sequel <laughs> because Noah Emmerich is playing an FBI agent. <laughs> I cannot be the first person to make that joke. <laughs> I thought Dark Winds was like code for like I sharded. I was gonna say I was gonna say Dark Winds is not the album title of Huey Lewis in the News about Huey <laughs> <laughs> Lewis in the Ew, somebody just dark winded me. <laughs> oh, I did see that it was renewed for a second season, so that's good. That's oh, cool. awesome. Yeah, man. AMC Plus. Uh is this going to is this going to be on standard AMC? I don't know, but that's a good point because I was really impressed. I didn't have the AMC Plus uh membership and I I just signed up and the two shows that I've watched already are very very good shows. You should check out Gangs of London as well. 
Um, it's fantastic. So yeah, check out Gangs of London on AMC Plus. I can't wait to make time for myself to watch that show. <laughs> it's Is it's that the one that the guy from the raid did. Yes, yes, excellent. It's fantastic. And it's got um a Peaky Blinder in it. Another show I don't watch. The old Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I need to watch that. Everybody raves about Peaky Blinders, yeah, and it's got it's, it's got Tom Hardy in it. Hell yeah, and it's over until their sequel movie comes out. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. We're gonna we're gonna break, and we're all gonna rub our nipples because Barbie and Ken can't. So that's what we're gonna do <laughs> on our break, and we'll be right back. back my nipples feel fantastic i don't know about you guys but man i really needed that fucking break not <laughs> not, not, not the always back. be thankful for your nipples always be thankful for your nipples everyone because some people don't have them barbie and ken um let's talk about a new movie that dropped on hulu was this a fox searchlight movie good luck to you leo grand that feels correct although i don't know actually the facts but i know like i saw this uh through the chicago critics film festival in the theater and that feels very fox searchlighty yeah well it's not it's not fox searchlight anymore i should just say it's searchlight pictures now so r.i.p yeah Yeah, r.i.p to (laughs) fox searchlight (laughs) uh this movie i wasn't even sure if it was still in the theater so i'm impressed that she got to see it it follows Nancy Stokes, a 55-year-old widow who is yearning for some adventure, human connection, and some sex. Good sex. And uh, it's a comedy. It's a sex comedy drama film directed by Sophie Hyde and written by Katie Brand. The film stars Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack. And that's pretty much the only actors in this. I think it was credited as one girl played Becky and then there was like, Waitress one and waitress two is what they had listed as the other actors. So, but a total cast of five. And so, yeah, it's, uh, this woman who, uh, yeah, 55 years old and, uh, she hires a, what do, what do we, what do we just, uh, is it sex worker? Is that the correct term these days? Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. He identified himself as a sex worker, but at one point, he said it wasn't about sex. So, well, I, yeah. Know. So is it, is it like, like, is that where escort, it's like, maybe? it's an escort? Yeah. Cause like an escort, they could just, it doesn't have to lead into sex. Right. But sometimes in his profession, it does. Like some, he mentions, you know, some of his clients. Well, and it's illegal for him to advertise that he's selling sex. Yeah. So. That's why I was confused when he said that when he called himself a sex worker. But I think he was. I just think trying- once you're in the room, <laughs> you get to know. <laughs> yeah, because didn't he say like some one of his clients? He just like watches 
TV with in the bed. They just lay there and watch yeah, TV. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> 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 I want to hear more weird stories of that. Like, like oh, I just have to show up every other Thursday and throw a handful of jelly beans at him and leave. <laughs> 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 exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so uh yeah most of this movie takes place in hotel rooms uh with uh with nancy and uh and uh this much younger man probably in his 20s this leo grand and um she tells him that her husband uh had died a couple years ago and he was the only sexual partner that she's ever had um, their sex life was very boring and, and they did the exact same, uh, positions and he finished the exact same way every time. And she never climaxed, never had an orgasm and, uh, they never performed any oral sex on each other. Um, uh, and, uh, this, these are things that she's got like a, she's very, she's got like a checklist of shit that she wants to get through. She, <laughs> she treats it very kind of like, she wants pleasure, but she's treating it every, uh, everything like it's very clinical. Like she has to go through the, this laundry list of sexual acts and, and things like that. But I think she's having a hard time of, uh, separating, uh, the sex with some of the feelings that she's having for Leo and, she starts to cross some lines in the client, uh, and, uh, the, uh, you know, the, his, and, and the sex workers kind of like, uh, relationship that, that they're meant to have. She starts to, to cross some lines. And, um, I, I, I thought that this was, uh, you don't, yeah, this is, this is, I'd never seen anything like this, to be quite honest with you. I have, this, yeah, this was, uh, this was new. Uh, I've never seen anything quite like this with, uh, with such a younger man and and the older woman here. And um, I'll give my rating here in a moment. But uh, yeah, Joe, what did you think about uh, uh, that? that uh, good luck to you, Leo Grant. Uh, I thought this movie was really great. Uh, going into it, I I wasn't sure what to expect. I'd randomly seen a trailer for it um, like a week or two ago. And I was like, well, that's an interesting premise. And then when it showed up on the list, here we go. And uh, I, like you were saying, I've never seen a movie like this. And to me, it felt like a very COVID production since it was just two people in a room. And I feel like we've seen a lot of those movies, you know, recently. Well, even with um, like the series Severance, which, you know, like probably one of the better examples of a fantastic, you know, COVID production. But uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot more of. These kind of like, uh, you know, just people in rooms or, you know, yeah. pe- or people in, on screens too. You know, they did some of the, the Zoom, me- uh, Zoom movies and, uh, you know, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and so as, as far as these, you know, movies that kind of fit this bill go, I think that this one was really, really interesting because when you break it down to just two characters in a room, the, the writing and the performances need to be really, really strong for it to work. And I feel like in this case, both the writing and the performances were very strong. Uh, you know, you got Nancy, who's this woman who's very sexually repressed and, and she's, you know, in her golden years and, and she's wanting to experience these hesitantly uh, wanting these things. I should say she's hesitantly wanting to ex- explore these things. And I like the way that the film is laid out in in telling you that it's these different sessions, because at first I thought this was all just going to happen in one session 
but the the movie does have some some time jumps in it but it's primarily just taking place in this same hotel room over and over again and each time they visit she's a little bit more comfortable with him but i think more importantly she's a little bit more comfortable with herself and and that's really the big story in this for me is this woman coming to terms with her own sexuality so late in life and and it's especially during that last visit that's that's uh starts out in in the hotel restaurant when you know she runs into that waitress and in the dialogue that then um her and the waitress in leo eventually have i felt like that was such a a good strong point to this movie and in just seeing how far this character has come and uh no no pun intended there um but uh uh yeah this movie was a tupperware for me It, it was I was really, really shocked by it. I, I thought that, that Leo's story was pretty strong as well. But really, I feel like this movie was was really more about about Nancy's uh, journey, as well as kind of a, illuminating this, you know, th- this take on sex work that, um, you know, probably a, a lot of people don't really know or see or even attempt to understand of. Um, and, and I feel like Leo does a pretty good job of, explaining what he's doing and why he's doing it and in the way that nancy's character comes especially in the first meeting with so many different questions for him about it i I feel like the writers really sat around and spitballed you know what are what are the you know the 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 top 10 you know family feud style questions that that people would be wanting to ask a sex worker out of the gate i felt like they did a good job of kind of um you know crossing all those things in in working it into the the dialogue in this so yeah this was a movie that that i really enjoyed um i don't know if it's something i'd I'd go back and and watch again but but i i really really enjoyed watching it i'm your your family feud i loved your family feud analogy there (laughs) now i'm just i'm just thinking about steve harvey getting a blowjob right now for some reason Anyway, uh, yeah, Melissa, what did you think? Oh, I love this movie so much. Um, It is sitting in my top 10 of this year. I think that throughout the runtime, it is just a constant delight. And it is just so, so, so charming. I mean, there is not a lot about Emma Thompson that can be said that hasn't already been said, but I fucking love that. Like her body is celebrated in this specific way in this movie. Um, Sex work is work. This man is doing more emotional labor than many of us have done in, you know, quote unquote, real relationships (laughs) where the emotional work is like supposed to be the entire, entire point of the whole endeavor. But like, we fail or we don't even try or like the failure is embarrassing. So we quit trying. Um, you know, there's just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of types of relationships and all of them are valid. And I think that, uh, that's important to take out of this movie and this exploration of like later in life sexuality. I think that that is, more meaningful to people than probably I even know because I'm only 30 so far. Um, but I just think that like empathy and communication and forgiveness and understanding are just like capital R required in the bedroom. And I love this movie's display and exploration of that. Yeah, it's a Tupperware. It's a great movie. Everybody should watch it. 
Yeah, it's fu- fun for the whole family. I, I have the kids watch this one with you as fun well. Fun for all of the adults. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids. Uh, tonight's the night where we, me and mom when introduce you to Leo Grant. I do not anticipate that children are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> like, That might be my bad. <laughs> no, I want the action figures. The Nancy Stokes and Leo Grant action <laughs> figures, you know. <laughs> Look, Mom, I made Nancy come. <laughs> oh, Junior. Bang, it's just like two like two fucking hot wheel toys just hitting each other. Just bang, yeah. <laughs> it is that easy. Keep it up, kid. Um Yeah, uh John, what'd you think? I am so happy that you guys gave it a Tupperware because at first I was scared I was going to be the only person to give it a Tupperware. Um, so at the beginning, it kind of had me in the same feels as uh, this is going to hurt because I felt like it knew too much of what it was at the very beginning. Like, OK, I get she's just going to be talking and talking. I'm like, let's get to the action. And then it just settled into this really great feeling of just that she asked exactly the questions I would ask of someone in that position and just, Oh man, it just, it, it just grew on me so much. And I thought it was a complete Tupperware by the end. Um, It does not hurt that Daryl McCormick is really hot and um, accent, the accent. (laughs) <laughs> I know it was – and that brings me to my only, like, criticism is that I think it was Hollywoodified or whatever the word is. You know, not a lot of people are going to be as attractive as Emma Thompson and Darren McCormick is and and as uh, – and as, and as suave as they are both. But other than that, man, it was a Tupperware. I, I, I loved it. I agree 100% with what you just said about like the whole Hollywood of it because I was thinking to myself like this guy is giving her like the Disney experience of sex workers, you know? Yes, yes. I I was like, (laughs) it can't all be like this. But that aside, for this movie, just having two characters in a room and just asking all those important questions that Joe was talking about with this family feud analogy that I love. I love that. fucking. Anyway, it's like it did. It tackled a lot of like the important stuff and like how caring he really was when it came to making her feel attractive and sexy at her age with her. You know, you get older and, and, and you start to, you know, you start to look at yourself differently as you get older. And even, you know, men do it as well. Uh, men and women, we all do. It's it's just part of getting older. And and uh, I really appreciated that uh, part of it. Uh, it, it. He basically said that he's like performing a service and she and she agrees with him, like more people need this. Like this is yeah. like, like, you know, we think of mental health and things like that. And we think about sitting with somebody in a room or talking with someone over a Zoom call. And that's how you, but, you know, 
I'm sorry, your fucking psychologist isn't going to jerk you off, you know? I mean, that's just not part of the deal. Like, this is what she needs. This is what she's wanting. She's wanting to be – and this is the line of work he's in. That's what he's chosen to do. And, yeah, it's a really interesting exploration of not only him but, like, her character and them coming together. And there's, like, this bond and friendship that that comes out of this movie. It It's, uh, it's definitely, you know, like, we've come a long way from Pretty Woman, I would say. Yes. You know, have you guys heard of the sessions uh, with uh, Helen Hunt? She was a sex surrogate. No, this movie reminds me of that a lot. It was in 2012. Uh, I, I really like Helen Hunt and she was a sex surrogate is what they called it to a um, a person who, who was paralyzed from the neck down due to mm. polio. And so he hired her to lose his virginity. It's John Hawkins, Hawks, John Hawks. Um, anyway, uh, but man, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting all the names, you know, the different name, you know, sex workers, sex surrogate, um, escort, you know, um, but anyway, it's a really good movie and it reminded me of, uh, she was up for an Oscar for, for her role in that. I'll have to check that out. No, I like Helen Hunt as well. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. But, um. Yeah, I give this a Tupperware. I think it's uh, – I've never seen anything like it. I think it's a really interesting exploration of uh, – you know, I'm sure not all the experiences are like this, but I'm sure mm-hmm. – and I'm not I'm, – and I'm sure not all of the sex workers are like Leo Grand, but right. I do think that this is an interesting exploration of that world and, and um, you know – but we do know that there definitely are people – like Nancy out there that have been yeah. in, you know, like they got married when they were young and, you know, it's like that, that fire, that flame kind of like just went away. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of women that have been in marriages that just stuck it out and they have, you know. And how clinically she looks at sex. Like, yeah, there's, there's a really great uh, part with the waitress who's a minor character towards the end. And, that it's a really great uh, yeah emma thompson if she, i think she's going to be up for awards for this she's really good she's really good yeah this is a it's a good movie check it out yeah <laughs> watch it with the kids you know <laughs> it's it's not it's not as uncomfortable as it could get but it, it's definitely not something you just want to watch with the parents or the kids i oh, yeah. am 30 years old and i think my mother would love this movie yeah. and i briefly thought when i was home the last time that i would ask her to sit down and watch a movie with me and maybe it would be this one and then i was like you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie i want to tell my mom to watch but i'm maybe not watch <laughs> yeah 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 we'll watch something else and i'll just write this one on your list for you <laughs> <laughs> there's no way in fuck i'm telling my mom to watch this <laughs> <laughs> There's no fucking way. Guys, I have not watched any of uh, C- Stranger Things uh, Season 4, Volume 2. I'm saving that for uh, you know the next couple days. We're actually going to have a whole episode where we talk about it. But I just I did want to get uh, Joe and John's reaction to uh, this latter half of the season. Uh, John, what did you think? Without, without spoilers, what did you think? Like, Did it all come together? Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah, I definitely think I can talk well without spoilers. Um, first of all, I've only seen the first season of Stranger Things. And um, 
I was really interested to see where the fourth season was. And I just started watching the fourth season and man, the first part of the fourth season, if, if you can do part one and part two, the first seven episodes were the Tupperwarest of the Tupperwares. And I was so surprised because I mean, I hadn't, I skipped out on two seasons and it just drew me right back in and seeing how everyone had grown up and, Man, it just reminded me of so many of my favorite movies. It, like, at one point, it's like in one episode, I'm like, it's The Matrix, it's Nightmare on Elm Street, it's The Exorcist, it's Silence of the Lambs, it's a spy movie, KGB. I mean, it's just Conan the Barbarian. It's just crazy how many genres and movies they um, pay tribute to and just and just bring back life to. And I just love that first part. And... Um, the second part, oh man, I just, I don't know. I think I just had too much expectations from the first part and it just, the second, the last two episodes let me down a little bit and I don't know. There's just a lot of eye rolls and corniness and I don't know, but, I, but I still love it. I mean, just the amount of effort and production value and, and acting and just everything that went into this, I just I have a hard time rating it anything but a Tupperware, but um, the last couple episodes, I don't know, just didn't do it for me as much as the first. But that's kind of how it was with the first season, too. I, I love the build up. And then once I got to the monster at the end, I wasn't as interested, but I love it. It's it's a must see. And and I, it was it was amazing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe. Talk to me about uh, four point two. I loved it. Uh, for me, for me, it absolutely lived up. Um, I, I thought it had lots of really badass moments in it. Um, there, it, it does have some some consequences. It's it, it's really good for for me. It's it's um, season one is still the one that I hold up the highest, and, and season four is right there behind it, with season three also really close by. But um, Man, I, I I really really liked this season. I loved getting the longer episodes and and getting to spend so much time with the characters and to really let a lot of these scenes and stuff breathe. Especially, you know, this season we're we're following so many different. You know, our, our cast has gotten so big that they've split up into these groups that we need to give each of these groups uh, equal time. And and I found every one of the different groups compelling in its own different way. Um, I, I think the group with, with Mike and Will and Jonathan um, is, is probably the one that I'm least interested in for the most part. But I love the new character, Argyle. I think he's really fun. Um, I didn't care for Argyle at all. <laughs> he kind of cracks me up a bit. He's, I love Eddie, though. I, I'm not. A, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Eddie's, Eddie's one of my favorite new characters. And, and he has some very, very epic scenes in, in these last two episodes. Um Definitely one of my favorite characters. I was looking at his action figure earlier, and I'm like, "Oh shit, I might need to get me an ID action figure." Um, but yeah, dude, I I, I loved it. Um, uh, really looking forward to what's to come after this. Uh, I I really really enjoyed Vecna as a bad guy. Um, I I really like what everything they're doing with the upside down. I liked what they were able to do in this season with giving us some of Elle's backstory. And the the way that they worked it in, I really love what's going on 
with the um with with her with, with Eleven's storyline where she's at right now and and I'm trying not to give anything away to anybody. No, I, I fucking um, I loved what they did in, in the first part with Eleven. It was so good. Yes, and I feel like it's very satisfying in the end as well uh, with the last two episodes. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it off and say for me, season five was a Tupperware and, and part two. Yeah, season, I keep saying five. Um, <laughs> my kids kept telling me earlier, like, it's just four. <laughs> but yeah, season four was it was fantastic for me. It absolutely lived up to the hype um, because I did a rewatch leading up to it. I, I got into it later than everybody else. But then I only had to wait a week <laughs> for the second part to drop, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's well, pretty if I cool. I can say one more tiny thing. My favorite addition of only seeing since season one is Brett Gelman. Oh, my God. Yes. I didn't even know he was in it. Oh, dude, you'll love him in seasons two and three. Definitely go back and watch those. I didn't even know he was in the earlier seasons. I figured he was a newer character. No, dude, you're going to love him both in season two and season three. It's like every new season that comes out, he's got more of an impact in it. And his character just ages like a fine wine. He's I, I mean, think that's, it's that's I love the difference. Oh, sorry. I'm just saying I love Brett Gelman, too. I'm a huge Brett Gelman fan. Um, I also think it's wild that. Paul Reiser is in Stranger Things, and now he's also in The Boys? Yes! How great was that? <laughs> Dude, and he's fantastic Re- in The Boys. Paul Reiser at first took me out of it a little bit, and then I I loved him by the end. And um, Were you mad about him? Mad? Oh. <laughs> you got it! You just got the joke! <laughs> I, I mean... I, I know he's been in stuff before Mad About You, but that's where I know him from is the comedy thing. So at first he took me out of it a little bit because of the seriousness of Stranger Things. But he was so good by the end. And Brett Gilman was amazing. And Brett Gilman is, I mean, they add characters that are so good. And I just felt like Argyle was like an un, like a, just an unnecessary. Yes. I don't know. I wish they had played up the stoner aspect of jonathan more and just i don't know but anyway yeah i'm not the biggest <laughs> argyle guy myself but i know yeah. argyle, he made me want to try pineapple on a pizza like he, <laughs> he successfully sold that to me i love pineapple pizza dude <laughs> it's so good anyway yeah i'll be watching that I'd over the totally next couple hang days. out with argyle though i'd patch i'd pass the dutch heap on the left hand side and everything oh god i would fucking i would kick him out of the car there is no way <laughs> oh my god i could not spend five minutes with that guy <laughs> fuck no for as much as i love fucking you know uh spicoli i same thing with sean penn i'd kick him out of the car there's no way i would be able to <laughs> hang out with these guys <laughs> Uh, oh, but during the part one, uh, Dear Billy, I think it was the sixth episode, maybe. Uh, was it, that I, was that the fourth episode, Dear Billy? Oh, I'm off. Yeah, fourth. Yeah. If that doesn't get nominated. Uh, yeah. Man, that episode was freaking ridiculous. It was just like so many movies that I love combined into one episode. Oh, man. It was so, so, so good. And I know Stranger Things has kind of been ignored from award season stuff for the past couple years and um i'll be happy to see it being picked up for st- for episodes like that i mean it was just yeah. mind-blowing well i mean that i mean it totally like re what's the word i'm looking for it just like reinvigorated um that song 
Yes. Uh, Kate Bush running up that hill and like the music. I mean, I've listened to a million bucks off it. What's that? Yes. She's made like two and a half million dollars off. That's incredible. It's awesome. That's incredible. I listen to the song all the time now. I think it's great. (laughs) I absolutely love that song now. It's so good. I listen to it all the time because of the way that they used it in the show. And yeah, like the song is about a man and a woman switching places. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's about a Like, um, it's about a man. And a woman's switching places, like what it would be like to be in the other person's shoes. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a very fucking cool song. Um, anyway, yeah, Stranger Things. I cannot wait. I'm going to start this over the next couple of days. I cannot wait to finish it. So um, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited. But then John was saying it just doesn't – it's good, but it doesn't live up to what he was hoping for. But Joe says, Joe, you say it sticks the landing. Yeah, for me, it absolutely did. I loved it. I mean – it's a must see either way. That's what I love about the first part is that the last part could have been a complete toss in and you still have to see it and watch every minute of it. And, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't a toss in by any means, but you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, it's so, I mean, just, it's, it's such a good show. They really spent a lot of time and energy in that show. Well, I will be watching it over the next couple of days because I want to have like I've got I've got Stranger Things fever right now, guys. So I'm going to we're going to be recording uh, on Wednesday. We're going to be recording a Stranger Things spoiler episode that I'm going to be dropping on the feed either later that night on Wednesday or Thursday. So keep watching the feed and we'll be talking Stranger Things in the coming days. Uh, the Terminal List, this dropped on Prime Video and uh First off, I would say this is a total dad show because like my dad has already finished this. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I, I messaged my dad and I was like, uh, you should check out the terminal list. He's like, oh, yeah, that's on my list. And then the next day he's like, oh, I finished the terminal list. Very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my dad. I had the same conversation with my dad earlier today. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I want to tell him right now. My dad, too. <laughs> you should. T- text your dad. I'm hey. going to text to my dad right now. There you go. Watch the terminal list. It's a dad show. <laughs> it's like the blacklist. It even has list. And then, and oh, my God. My dad fucking, he jizzes all <laughs> over the blacklist. Jesus. Yeah. James Spader. James Spader. What was the other fucking James Spader and fucking William Shatner? Boston. Was it Boston? Boston, Boston Legal. Legal. Oh, Boston my God. Legal. My mom and dad. Oh, my God. <laughs> They fucking the Boston legal. Jesus Christ. They fucking was awesome. They were Kathy Bates. They were dreaming and creaming all over Boston legal. What was that? Candace Bergen. They had Candace Bergen and William Shatner in it. She was in it. Oh, Candace yeah, Bergen was in Kathy it. Kathy Bates, but I think I'm wrong. Yeah. Wait, Kathy Ka- Bates was the misery lady. Yeah. She was in some legal show. That was her own show. She was in some legal show and she is the title character. I'm getting confused. You know when you when when a guy jerks off to the thought of Kathy Bates, it's actually called a Kathy Bait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Melissa's just like, shut the fuck up, Brian. Knock it off. Anyway, <laughs> I would never. <laughs> I gave a sympathy laugh. The, oh fuck you, John. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to tell people that. <laughs> you killed my confidence, buddy. <laughs> uh, the terminalist, Navy SEAL Commander James Reese, 
turns to vengeance as he investigates the mysterious forces behind the murder of his entire platoon, free from the military's command structure, resupplies the lessons he's learned from nearly two decades of warfare to hunt down the people responsible. Stars Chris Pratt, Constance Wu, uh, Taylor Kitsch is in this, and at least the first episode's directed by Antoine Fuqua. I haven't checked to see if the other episodes are directed by Antoine Fuqua. I, I, I like Antoine Fuqua quite a bit for the most part. But, I think uh, he just did the first one. That. Whoa. Talking. I think he just did the first one. Just the first one. Okay. Yeah. I, I only watched the first episode, to be quite honest with you. I, I enjoyed this one enough to where I'll give it a high taste it, but not enough to where this is something I'm going to be rushing back to watch immediately. Um, I probably won't finish this one. There's just too many other things right now that I want to watch. Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fucking the rest of Stranger Things. I mean, there's, I want to, I want to watch more of, uh, you know, some of the shows, other shows we talked about this week, you know? Um, so I, I enjoyed this one enough. I, 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 I You've got a guy here who is basically goes on this mission and he he's the only survivor uh, at the end of of this mission. And but he remembers things differently than the way that they actually happened in the mission. So he's listening to the recordings of what happened on the mission and what he remembers is not adding up with what he's hearing on the recordings. He thinks that the recordings have been tampered, some sort of like deep fake technology or something is going on. And, but then on the flip side, it's like, we do know that there's something going on with his memory. His daughter shows him a picture that he drew, that she drew. And she's like, I've shown you this before. He doesn't remember it. There's certain things that he's not, that are not adding up. And so I think there's an interesting mystery here. I think that, you know, if I want to know anything more about this, I'll probably ask my dad because he fucking he yeah. liked it. <laughs> but I liked it enough, but I don't think that I'll be going back to this one. So it's a it's a high taste because I think I think it's good enough to I think people will get into it. And I, I did get into it. I think that there's an interesting mystery here. And it, it did make me kind of like want to watch the sep- second episode. But there's other things that I want to watch first. So I, I, what did you think, Joe? Okay, I've watched the first three episodes of this, and the first two episodes, I was confused as hell about what was going on. Me and, too. Yeah, I, I felt like a lot of the scenes that they were showing, it was very darkly lit, and so I had to crank up the brightness on my screen and then yes. back up and kind of rewatch certain parts. Um, especially in the first episode, I liked it, but I felt like a lot of the stuff going on down in those tunnels, it was kind of hard to keep track of what was going on. And also it had thrown us into all these different characters so soon and they're all kind of dressed the same, you know, they're dressed like seals going in on like a commando mission, you know? So, I mean, they're, it was kind of hard to tell who was who and, and what was going on. And then you bring in that kind of the, the unreliable narrator angle in that, I didn't know what the hell was going on with Chris Pratt's character. It's like, is is he really going nuts that he doesn't know what was going on? Or is this some sort of deep fake thing? And in the end, I'm glad I stuck it out and watched episode three, because I feel like episode three is where this thing really opens up and yes. gives you a lot more feeling about what's going on in the show. And also, Sean Gunn is a main character in the epi- in episode three, and his character's fucking awesome. Really? Um, 
Yeah, he's one of the bad oh, guys. I love the fun. Guardians connection between those two and him showing up in the series then. Oh, totally, right? And yeah. um yeah, they had good chemistry on the screen together too. And you know, it goes to show they've they've worked together before. Um but uh so I was familiar with the source material a little bit going into this. Now, these are based off a series of books by a fellow named Jack Carr. Uh, Jack Carr is a retired Navy SEAL. And so he actually has firsthand understanding of a lot of the stuff and tactics that, that our main character in this is, is utilizing. And he wanted to write these books from a perspective of if a former you know military person were to pick up these books or – go into the show and watch it. They wanted it to feel authentic to those people. So it's pretty cool that it's coming from that angle. Um, there's a, a handful of different former Navy SEALs um, uh, podcasts that I listen to. And so I've heard Jack Carr on, on multiple podcasts in the past talking about this. And so I knew that this was coming for a long time. And also one of the things that's kind of interesting is Jack Carr said that when he was writing this, this was back when Chris Pratt had only been in Parks and Rec and the small role that he had in Zero Dark Thirty. And when Jack Carr was writing these books, he was picturing Chris Pratt as the main character and like dreaming that this would be awesome if this were a TV series someday and Chris Pratt was the main character. And then through these huh. weird happenstances, like when just advanced copies of the book were out, he randomly connected with somebody that he was in the SEAL teams with. And was telling him about this book. And the guy was like, oh, can I get one of those advanced? Can I get two of those advanced copies? I want to read it. And I got a friend of mine that I want to loan that I want to give it to because I know he'd be interested. And Jack's like, well, who's that? And he goes, oh, well, it's Chris Pratt. He's like, you're kidding. And so before this was even released to a wide audience in books, Chris Pratt had already optioned this as a series. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. I so, love that for this show. It's perfect, right? Because More as than Jack I like watching this show. <laughs> I was going to say that that stepped it up. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of the, the reasoning that pushed me to keep watching this is because it's like, oh, I've heard this author talk about this. And, and to hear an author, you know, talk on a podcast and, and talk it passionately about their project, for me, that works and it gets me excited. And so I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I was so excited to watch it and almost a little bit let down by the first two episodes. I was like, did I, did I go over Stoker for this? And now I'm, I'm disappointed that it's kind of this slow burn and I'm confused as what's going on. Cause I haven't read the books yet. Um, but man, by the time episode three came along, I'm on board now, dude. I'm absolutely, I think there's eight episodes. So I got three down and we'll absolutely be watching the rest of them right now. It's just a high taste it for me. But after episode three, I'm very excited about this series. Well, shit, I might need to reevaluate this one. I mean, this might be like you got to get into the third episode and then it really kicks it into gear. So fuck. OK, it's uh, Chris Pratt actually learned a bunch of these tactics and stuff. And he said in an interview that like these tactics have stuck with him to the point where now he can tell when he's driving and paparazzi are tailing him. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Melissa, what, I want to hear what John has to say, but Melissa, you did, how many episodes did you watch? Um, I just watched one. And like, honestly, I liked it more than I thought that I would. Um, I probably won't watch anymore, but honestly, it's, it's <laughs> not because I like hated it. It's just because there's so much TV. Um, I'll miss the chance to see more Constance Wu. I fucking love her. Um, yeah, I think it's better. The first line of the show being like Bible shit, I mean, my eyes nearly rolled out of my face. Yes. But like, okay, Chris Pratt, we get it. Yes, 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 <laughs> um, yes. 
I'm super way more interested in like what is going on mentally with this main character than I am in like the mission cover up. Although that's pretty interesting. I've only seen the first episode. Um, I haven't seen Chris Pratt do very much serious content. I don't know if he has. I mean, I watched him in Everwood when I was a child. I watched him in Parks and Rec. I love Guardians. But I am just not convinced that this guy has got it when it comes to, like, dramatic acting. Because some of the line readings just in this first episode were, like, kind of funny. I'm sorry that I'm laughing at you when you're having a hard time, sir. But, (laughs) um... And then I will maybe be hitting up Joe Stark for a spoiler after this episode because I got to know why I I have to know why they got Riley Keough in this show. Because after the first episode, I don't get why you paid her salary <laughs> because she does not have enough to do. So, yeah, I just watched one episode of this. Who's her? This is, she plays she plays Chris Pratt's wife. Oh, right, okay. right. Um, yeah, yeah. She she continues to have a role going on because remember he's having memory yeah, problems. Yeah, and that makes sense. And like, I mean, at the end of the first episode, I was like, okay, there's a couple ways we can go forward with this, but I know you did not get Elvis's granddaughter, whoever she is. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, she's I like a, a a granddaughter. I think I don't know the exact lineage. Um, but yeah, I thought this was I thought this was entertaining enough more than i thought it would be um the the idea that you can go through like what he went through and then come back like mentally um like not being able to like trust yourself as like the narrator of your own life i think is very interesting oh yeah um fucking uh movie that really fucks me up is memento oh i haven't seen that really I really, really, really need to and want to. Oh God, you gotta watch that one. Fucking Guy Pierce. It's it's really. Yeah, I haven't watched it in years and years. I'm due for a rewatch on that. Yeah, I got I got it on Blu-ray, so I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. But it's fantastic, but uh, yeah. What did you rate this, Melissa? Um, it's, I'll give it a taste. It. Okay, and uh, John. I tasted it. It was fine. <laughs> John, what did you think? Yeah, I'm not trying to blow them, but Joe and Melissa really said a lot of the exact same things that I thought about this show. It's a high taster for me, and um, I don't know, Chris Pratt was a little bit of my hesitation at first. Like, I I loved him in Guardians, I loved him in Jurassic World, and Parson Rec, but I'm a little over him, and I thought maybe, I don't know, I'd... I kind of would have rather just had a different actor in there, but he, he does amazing. It's not his acting skills or anything, but I don't know. He just takes it out of me, takes me out of it a little bit. Um, but I watched three episodes uh, and I thought at first that only one episode had come out. So I didn't give myself enough time. I would have watched more. And um, at first, the first episode, I thought it was maybe a taste it. And then after the second, third, fourth, I taste it to could be Tupperware territory. And I was surprised too, because I was just not expecting to get that involved in the story. It is a little confusing. I get lost of, of who's who and, and the plot. And I'm not sure if that's partly just, you know, me not catching on. I, th- I think it's more me. It's not like the, 
the show doesn't doesn't explain it well but um the memory the memory loss is really intriguing and how they go into uh what caused it and and what could be going on there and how he doesn't know what's what's really going on is really intriguing the story is really good and um i'm glad joe brought up the dark lighting i could not see that i was don't watch this movie when you're doing yard work in the middle of the day outside because you can't see anything (laughs) who watches who watches tv like that yeah john who watches tv like that i'm you know uh, fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna do some gardening and watch uh i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this show on prime video (laughs) i'm picturing like an ipad on a chest rig that just like kind of hangs out in front of him while he's push mowing the yard (laughs) (laughs) john that is no way to watch television well, uh, that's that's actually a, uh, what I'm saying is that I wasn't expecting much and I was really actually drawn in and I, 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 I really did like it. But it's hard. I to keep see. thinking about fucking Christopher Nolan saying, you know, you got to go see Tenet in the theater. And there's John fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Out in the, <laughs> out in the fucking yard, you know, tr- trimming some hedges as the yeah. sun is like beating down on his fucking uh, iPhone 12 watching Tenet outside. This is for you, Nolan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It, it was good, but there's some dark lighting. Okay. Well, you're you're watching it outside, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't know, Joe. You kind of got me wanting to watch some more episodes of this one with uh, with how much you raved about the third one. So we'll see. Uh, the princess on uh, Hulu. Uh, when a strong-willed princess refuses to wed a cruel sociopath she had kidnapped and locked in a remote tower with her scorned, vindictive suitor intent on taking her father's throne, the princess must protect her family and save the kingdom. Stars Joey King, Dominic Cooper, Olga Kirilenko, and Veronica No, and it's directed by Lee Van Keet. And, uh, yeah, Melissa, what did you think about, uh, it's basically, it's like, uh, you got a princess locked in a tower. She's supposed to wed this guy who's taken over the kingdom, has kidnapped her family. And uh, it's kind of like a, a medieval raid where she's making her way down through the castle, just kicking everybody's ass. It's a very action centric, kind of like uh, reminded me of like, I guess, Kingsman type of fighting going on or something. I, I don't know. It, uh, but uh, yeah, Melissa, what do you think about this one? Um, have you seen this director's um, movie, Fury? No. I've seen so, the Tank movie. Wasn't the Tank movie called Fury? Yes, it was, but this is F-U-R-I-E. Is that with the, the Vietnamese actor? Yes, it is the same actor who plays Lin in The Princess. Well, like the character who trains the titular princess. Yeah, and honestly, I love Fury. I own it on Blu-ray. It's a great movie. And my thoughts on this, real quick, because you brought that up, is she should have been the main character of this fucking film. Yes, she was Yeah, the- Fury oh, is a better movie. <laughs> I don't like the fact that she's basically, it's like, She's her teacher in this movie, and her whole purpose is to train this princess who has a warrior's heart. And it's, yeah. I thought that the, I, halfway through this movie, I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching 
her, I'm like, man, I wish the movie would have transitioned into her being the lead in this because she's awesome. And I love Fury. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel pretty much the same. Like, I think that the princess was fun enough. I enjoyed a lot of the action. The script is so weak. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and I just don't really like Joey King that much. I'm sure she's nice. I don't even necessarily think she's, like, not a good actor. I just don't connect with her. Um, I forgot Dominic Cooper was going to be in this when I started it, so that was a fun surprise. Um, oh, Olga fucking... Karolinko is, yeah. like, so scary hot in this movie. Like... The script did her the dirtiest of them all, but she made it work through force of, like, incredible eye makeup and flinging whips around. Like, she was, she was successful in this movie. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, this movie's fine. I'll give it a taste it. I didn't, I wasn't like hate watching it by any means, but it's just this. I mean, it's the script. The script is the problem. They should have like, they could have just not talked through the whole thing and we would have got it. Like, (laughs) I know why a princess in a wedding dress needs to escape a castle. I've seen a movie. (laughs) Like, I get it. Um, There's like a really, there's like very, very pointless body shaming in this movie that's just like not even funny. It's just this lazy ass writing like, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Fury's better. (laughs) Oh, God, this was a slog for me. Like, (laughs) I, yeah, I I was, uh, this is a toss it for me. I'm not a Joey King fan either. Um, I just didn't like the whole, like, I get it. Like, your whole thing is like, you know. She's not the damsel. She's going to fight her way through this. She's the princess with a warrior's heart. And I was just like, I have nothing against warrior princesses. I fucking love Xena. I just didn't like this movie. And I was hoping somewhere along the line that the, that, that her teacher, Lynn, would kind of like take over and be the badass throughout this movie because she was awesome. Um, but I thought the action, it just kind of like, it got stale after a while. And, I don't know. She, Joey King was just not believable as like, I just can't see. She's like, what is she, 90 pounds? Yes. <laughs> and she's like kicking the shit out of like guys that are like 200 pounds. Like it was totally believable when fucking her teacher Lynn was doing it. Like she's a badass. I just don't see Joey King as like the next like action star. Um, for as well choreographed as I think a lot of it was, it just kind of got boring and stale because it was like the same stuff all the time. And it was just coming at you a fast and furious. A lot of it curious. ended in fire. <laughs> like yeah. <you> did. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to toss this one because the story was super weak too. But Joe, what did you think about the princess? Uh, this was just a taste it for me. Um, I, I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Uh, it, it did have – there was almost nothing there. In terms of writing, the plot was absolutely predictable. Uh, the 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 ending that you get, you see it coming, you know, from the start of the movie. Uh, there, there's really nothing new in this. Um, I absolutely agree with everybody else's take that that her teacher should have been the main character of this. And 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 Brian, with the point you bring up 
about, you know, Joey King just being so small and like, okay, we're going to believe that she's taking on all these big characters. Like, I, I, I know that's a, a, a minor nitpick, but for me, I kept thinking like, damn, she's like swinging a sword around for 90 minutes. Why are her arms toothpicks? Like, why doesn't she have Natalie Portman in Thor Love and Thunder arms? The but, part where know, she's hang- like- the part where she's hanging off of the the tower and she pulls herself up, even it didn't even look real. It looked like she no. was getting a boost. It was so oh, it was like it was like yeah, it's like like yeah. Why don't you have Natalie Portman buff arms <laughs> for me to believe this? Like, put the work in, you know. Like Natalie Portman yes. went through ten months of intense physical training, and yeah, and it's like. Clearly, you know, she wants to be an action star. She did all this choreography and stuff. And it looks it you looks a good. Bit stronger. It does look good. Yeah. But yeah. Because, you know, like like in Xena Warrior Princess, like Lucy Lawless, like you believed that she could whoop your ass with that with you know, every all those weapons that she was carrying. But with this, I didn't really buy it so much. But um I I tried to I tried to connect with the little girl that's in my heart and be like, would, would a little <laughs> girl like this movie and be excited? Yes. That, the, and, and ultimately, I thought so because, like, I have a, a I have a younger niece, and I thought to myself, would she be excited about watching this movie? You know, were it not rated R and and, and all that stuff, just to have you know a, a younger female main character that's being the badass and doing all this stuff, whooping ass. And and I think that from that angle, yes, but I also think that that being that this is a rated R and it's not meant for kids. This movie could have been so much better had they put more thought and writing into it and actually given it like a, a decent plot and and seriously looked at their casting choices and everything and who they had as their main lead character and all that. If you want um, to if you want something that's like kind of like this but for kids and better, read the comic book called Princeless. Oh, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it's from Action Lab Comics. It's written by Jeremy Whitley. And yes, if you want something that's like this, but better, and you don't mind reading a comic book, and you want your kids to get something out of it, it's it's called, it's a comic, it's it's won a couple Eisner Awards. It's called Princeless, and it's oh, fantastic. Nice. And yeah, it's definitely like little girls, I think little like little girls reading this as they're growing up, they're going to love this. Like these are, these are, um, these are strong women in this book that don't need a prince or they're not these damsels in distress. Like they, they don't need a prince. It's, it's really good. It's a really good comic. So. Yeah. I did think some of the fight choreography in this did work for me though. Uh, there were some pretty fun moves that I saw, but you know, also stuff that was pretty wonky. A lot of the CGI in it looked looked pretty bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so so many of the beats you just saw coming from a mile away, though. So you know, it's like, oh, there's all this actiony stuff going on, but none of it's super exciting, and, and a, a, a lot of it's pretty unbelievable. Um, but you, dude, you calling it the raid and like in a castle? It's not far off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just making your way through different levels in it, and I was just like, oh, I don't know. Uh, John, what do you think about uh, pr- the princess? Yeah, I thought Melissa had a great phrase. Fun enough. I literally had that written in my notes too. It was fun mm-hmm. enough, and it 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 made me want to finish watching the whole thing because it was fun, but. Fun enough does not mean Tupperware. And uh, I thought it was a low taste it. 
I I mean, enough of it was fun that I, I think people will get more out of it than me, maybe. And uh, Lynn was the best character. And I, I agree with you guys that, you know, she was almost overshadowing the princess. Um, I thought maybe the princess should have been a little older. I don't know. Joey King gave it her all. I don't think it was anything with her. I mean, she I mean, she was badass, but like, I don't know. Um, she put the work. Have, she did put the work in. I'm not going to say that she didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. She. The effort was there, but like Melissa said, the script and Joe too. I think the script was was lacking a lot, and um, it was just kind of a series, series and series of just her, you know, um, fighting people, and it just got a little old by the end, but. Um, it was fun enough, and it's a low taste it. And I think some people, and also the rated R. Like I think they could have. Um, I don't think the rated R was necessary. I, I, I was just going to say even that. Realize this was rated R. I was just going to say that. Like if you like, you think that this would be targeted to like young girls or something like that. Yeah. To where they could be able to yes. watch it, but it's not. Like this is a this is for adults because it's rated R. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot by doing that. There wasn't enough rated R to make it necessary yeah i think if they had gone over the top with the rated r then it would have been you know something different but to me this should have been a female empowerment princess movie that was rated pg-13 or you know something dude go over the top if you're gonna yes if you're gonna fucking make this and if you're gonna have us try to believe that fucking 90 pound joey king is going around kicking all these guys (laughs) there should have been blood flying at the screen it should have been like kill bill when she's fighting the 88s you know what i mean oh that reminds me the whip was my favorite part i love the uh, you know her with the whip and it reminded me of kill bill with that uh girl with the big chain yeah thing flying in the air and yeah. so there was good point there was tupperware points but it just you know it was just lacking otherwise i thought that olga karolinko's character and dominic cooper's characters were going to end up being like weird crimson peak siblings <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't know if they were brother or sister i I was I thinking that too. I was for them not being related. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was thinking like there's definitely some incest going on here, right? Yes. <laughs> All right, that's the princess. You can watch it on Hulu, and uh, we are going to now jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Here ye, here ye, read all about it. It's a lot of a news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right. Uh, Duffers. Uh, this news comes from Dark Horizons. Uh, the Duffer Brothers tease Stranger Things spinoff. Stranger Things co-creators and showrunners Matt and Ross Dufford have confirmed that a Stranger Things spinoff is in development. As fans of the fantasy series await the supersized final two episodes of the fourth season this coming Friday, they're also braced for the fact that the show's currently in the works. Fifth season will be the last. The Duffers haven't officially announced a spinoff but have previously teased quote there are still many more exciting stories to tell within the stranger world within the world of stranger things new mysteries new adventures new unexpected heroes now though speaking with deadline the pair confirms they're working on it and tease it won't be anything like you expect ross stuffer uh says there's a version of it developing in parallel to season five but they would never shoot it parallel i think 
actually we're going to start delving into that soon as we're winding down and finishing these visual effects. Matt and I are going to start getting into it. Matt Duffer says, the reason we haven't done anything is just because you don't want to be doing it for the wrong reasons. And it was just like, is something I would want to make regardless of it being related to Stranger Things or not? And definitely, even if we took Stranger Things title off of it, I'm so, so excited about it, but it is not, it's going to be different than what anyone is expecting, including Netflix. Uh, those comments come as the first volume of the fourth season has dominated the Netflix top 10 for weeks and has only just been knocked off its perch by the third season of the Umbrella Academy. And so, uh, yeah, thoughts on a spinoff and what would you like to see? I have a version of what I would like to see the Stranger Things spinoff be. I would love to see a spinoff with just Brett Gelman's character investigating <laughs> basically like weird and strange things going on outside of Hawkins. Oh yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. I love Murray's character. So you're going to give me more Murray and especially just more of the weird stuff. Yeah. I'd be in. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a, and maybe, you know, we don't have to have him with Joyce. He can, we can find him with like a new partner or something like that and kind of make it like, you know, the X-Files meets Stranger Things, you know? So I, I think that that would be a fun show. What do you think? What do you think, Joe? What do you think, John? Do you have any, would you like a spinoff or do you think it should just end with season five? I don't, depending on what they give us, I think a spinoff could be really, really exciting. But I mean, like if it's like the adventures of eight, in her crew that we got in season two, you know, like, no, thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. That was so, I mean, some of the worst really shit. All depends on what they're going to give us. Yeah. Is this exciting to I you, think, John? I, I mean, this is just a personal preference that I like the, uh, mystery and horror element more than the supernatural monster element. So I'd be more interested in seeing, um, stuff on a more, uh, I guess less supernatural level as far as investigating what, you know, what else is going on with the main characters. And there could be a big bad that's not necessarily like, you know, the big monster. I don't know, but I, I, it, there's no news on like what specifically it's about yet. No, no, no. They're just basically teasing it that it's going to be different. Netflix is not even expecting like what it's going to be. Um, it's just it's it's different and uh, not what anyone is expecting. I guess for me, I'd be more interested in seeing something less supernatural. That's just a personal preference, and and more about like the characters and the mystery element and there could be people you know dying I, I don't know we'll see we'll see what they uh let's see what they settle on but i can't see you know in a world where we're getting seven fucking game of thrones spinoffs i can't see netflix not wanting to do another spinoff of probably their most popular show so oh for sure they don't want to let that ip cash you know they, they don't want that to go away they need right. to keep that going yeah um, and the, the sentence that they have that's like, nobody would expect this. Not even Netflix would expect it. And it's like, okay, so is, are you still cashing in on Stranger Things? If it's so out there that it's like, you wouldn't even think this would be connected to Stranger Things. It's like, I don't think you get the idea of, <laughs> 
of capitalizing off an existing IP if it's going to be that different. But, you know, like I said, if if they come in with an exciting idea or a good premise, then, you know, hey, I like what you've done with four seasons of television so far. What else you got? It's it's like uh, I I think what it all comes down to is like uh, the Duffer brothers are like, hey, Netflix, do you have more money? (laughs) (laughs) Will you write us another check? Yeah, because we can figure something out, Netflix. I'm saying I think there's stuff they can explore that might cost less money than than some of the stuff we've gotten recently that would just be as interesting as the other you know i i I don't know we'll see it's still gonna have i think there's no way it's not gonna have stranger things in the fucking title so oh of course it'll be interesting but maybe they'll do like a stranger things anthology what do you think what do you think a strange like each story is like a different story set within the stranger things world Ooh, that could be cool a bunch of just little shorts yeah anthologies are you know, yeah. very popular now. So, uh, more news from Dark Horizons. Romy and Michelle too is closer than ever. Oh my god! Holy shit, man! I fucking like a year ago. I rewatched Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, and uh, it's a movie that I loved when it came out, and I'd watched it multiple times after it came out. I I, I was kind of obsessed with that movie. I think it's a uh, uh, a brilliant kind of buddy comedy that takes place at a high school reunion. I, it cracks me up. It, it, Lisa Kudrow is so good, and her chemistry with Myra Servino is excellent. And and I even said on a previous episode that I had rewatched it, and that I was surprised that it had never gotten a sequel. And like we've seen so many like you know men comedies where they get the the sequel like immediately. You know, like they're they're announcing the sequel immediately. And I was just surprised that Romeo and Michelle, as popular as it was, never got a sequel. And now in separate interviews, uh Myra Servino and Lisa Kudrow have confirmed a sequel to the nineteen ninety seven comedy Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion is in the early stages of development. While there has been talk of a follow up for years, Servino appeared on the Today Show this week and teased, we're getting closer. Something might be in the works. There's nothing official to report, but I can unofficially hint that we're closer than we've ever been to getting something to happen. Uh, just hours later, uh, Kudra was interviewed on SiriusXM and confirmed original screenwriter Robin Schiff is thinking about it and coming up with something. Isn't that thrilling? Uh, the 1997 film was a modest box office hit, but it's since become a major cult classic. Both actors reunited at the SAG Awards in February to present an award dressed in outfits that matched the signature colors of their outfits from the film. And uh, I love it. it I, I, Joe, have you ever seen this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen that movie loads of times. Uh, the only thing that makes me hesitant about this um, is, you know, ultimately those those movies were about these women that they – we're at a point in their lives where they felt like they should have it more together. And so they put on this facade to make it seem like they really have it together. And then, you know, they go to this, their, their high school reunion and they, you know, you know, learn things along the way. Add in all this time now and with the age of the actors now that they're at. So it makes sense to write some sort of narrative that their current age plays into it. How does that work against the original story? Because, you know, I mean, I would hope that all this time later now, you know, they they kind of got happy endings and stuff. But um, I don't know. I, if, if they can come up with a good idea for it, I would be excited. 
because I did like that that original one. I didn't think I would like it. It was one of those movies where I, I kind of rolled my eyes at, and it was introduced to me by my younger sister, who absolutely loved it. And and I was like, oh my god, this movie is really brilliant. <laughs> and so I was actually really really thankful that that, that my sister had turned me onto that movie. And man, if if done right, I would be excited for a sequel, but. What if it's like the new Bill and Ted <laughs> and it's like so bad that it, it almost makes you question the original? Yeah. What if it – well, I'm thinking like what if it's not Romy and Michelle going to another high school reunion? Well, no. It would have to be them doing something different that yeah. makes sense for the age that they're at now. I'm thinking that they're both married. They've lost touch with one another. They've got their separate lives. You know, we're supposed to believe that, like, you know, they've been best friends this entire time, but maybe they have lost touch over the years with having families and and things like that. Both of their marriages are ending and now they're brought back together and they have to start life together. Maybe they're going to start like a business together or something like that. I don't know. That could be a lot of fun. And then the things that they're, you know, the, the fake walls they're putting up are more with each other than than them against you know, their, their former classmates or something. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you got a good idea there. It might be fun. John, uh, big fan. Yeah. I love Romy Michelle's high school reunion. It's a cult classic and Janine Garofalo was great. In yes. It. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I think it'd be hard to not be just another reunion. I, I don't know how they're going to get away with, I think the most obvious thing would just be the the older reunion that they're going to. I don't know. I mean, I hope they do something more original, but I love the actresses. And what has Mira Sorvino been in lately? Uh, what? Man, I'm trying to think. I feel, I feel like, like I saw her in something. She's recently. been. The only in... thing I know her from is like the Woody Allen movie and Mimic, and um, and Romy and Michelle. But I like her and um. I'm just not sure if she still has, like, the comedic chops to pull this off. It's got to be funny. I want to see her make a huge comeback. She was really a victim of, like, the whole Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. I mean, her career was basically um, finished uh, for a long time because of him. And I, you know, now I would... She won an Academy Award for Mighty Aphrodite. Yeah, she's she's really good. I, I, I love her. I, I want to see her. I would love to see this movie and I'd love to see it uh, succeed. Um, Melissa, have you ever she watched? Was, she was in Stuber. Stuber? I love Stuber. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't remember her in Stuber. Melissa, did you ever watch Romeo and Michelle? I have not seen Romeo and Michelle since I was like younger than high school, I think. Um, so I should revisit... I should revisit that movie, I think, for sure. Yeah. Because I have this, like, I think what is, like, kind of an artificial, but still valid, like, soft spot for the movie. Like, not in this conversation, because you guys would call me on it. But if I was, like, at a bar and we were having this conversation, I would be like, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> you can't think of post-its without thinking of yeah, it. No, you can't. Never. Oh, same. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I, I hope it gets made. This is one that I'm actually excited for. I'd like to see these characters again. Hopefully, it'll live up to the first one. Uh, I know that's a tough task because the first one is such a cult fucking classic. And it holds up. I It, it, holds, it holds up. up. Yeah. I have full confidence in Lisa Kudrow's acting abilities. I mean, Friends is obvious, but also the comeback. She was so good. 
And um, I mean, she's 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 going to give it her all if it's if it happens. So I I completely want to see it. Uh, I feel like I might lose you guys on this next news story. I don't know. I might lose you guys. Try to just stay with me. I've got Avatar 2 news. Oh, <laughs> stay with me. Hear me out. All right. I know it's 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 a weird show. We're going from Romy and Michelle straight into Avatar 2 news. <laughs> uh, here we go. We've known for a long time that Sigourney Weaver is coming back for Avatar. This is why I'm bringing it up because Sigourney Weaver, her character died. She played great Dr. Grace Augustine in the first movie. She died. But one of the first announcements they made about this movie is that she's coming back for the next one. How the fuck is that possible? It's been revealed in Empire that not only is she returning, but we've already seen her in the trailer. Turns out the actress is playing a new character, Kiri, a teenage Navi who is the adoptive daughter of Jake and Nitiri. So the Sam Worthington's character of Jake and Zoe Saldana's character of – is it Nitri? I don't remember. I haven't seen fucking Avatar in a decade. Uh, Weaver tells the outlet she was thrilled to be given th- that challenge by Cameron saying how she was 5'10 or 5'11 when she was 11. And so you know how the character Kiri would feel awkward a lot of the time. Cameron says his alien star was more than up for it. Uh, as, a, as an acting challenge, it's big. We're going to have a 60-something actor playing a character decades younger than her actual biological age Sig- Sigourney Weaver thought it was all kinds of fun she just became younger she looked younger she had more energy and she never quite stepped out of Kiri for our whole captured period uh, whole capture period she had a glow on her face and lightness in her step and a fun spirit Weaver also trained with elite military divers and learned how to hold her breath underwater for six minutes while filming Whoa. one scene in the movie they filmed a lot of this movie underwater. Yes, there are – they actually released at one time how long some of these actors had been holding their breath under the water. And I, I think we read that article on a previous episode and I said, they're trying to kill Sigourney Weaver. It's like, <laughs> oh my – that's unreal. I, she is such a fucking awesome actor. I mean, you know, we get on here and we fucking rave about Tom Cruise doing his own stunts. But Sigourney Weaver's now – in her 60s, and look what she's doing for Cameron. I can't believe Cameron's getting her to do this shit. It's fucking incredible. Um, I, I, you know, I'm excited to see the movie for the visual spectacle of it. It's going to be fucking eye candy. I love watching these movies in 3D. That was the biggest thing coming out of Avatar is you're watching this movie. You're in this world of Pandora. It looks – there's nothing like the 3D that you see in an Avatar movie. For as like stale as the story is, just the fucking look of this movie in 3D is an incredible experience. And you know what? I love Sigourney Weaver. I think it's really fucking cool that Cameron got her back in this. And she's playing this young Navi character who's a, who's a fucking child. This is wild to me. I think this is a wild story all around. I respect that they got Sigourney Weaver back into this franchise when she was a big part of the original. Her character died, 
So they're like, we're making more of these movies. You can't be your original character. Here's this other thing for you to do. Like, I think that that, I think that's great. I love that. Cameron loves working with, Cameron loves working with her. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all great. I think that, um, obviously it's a CGI character. So that's, it's, it's like more complex. But I spend enough time saying, like, we should just hire fat actors instead of putting people, you know, like, obviously, like, however tall blue people do not exist. So that's not an option. But I just have, like, I have question marks about having someone play such a wildly different demographic. I don't think that applies with you're playing with a fictional character of a Navi here. It's a blue fucking alien. But it's like there are real teens that like to have work. But then I'm like, do teens even need to be acting? Did people have a problem when fucking (laughs) did people have a problem when when they started doing the animated Batman series from the Batman 66 and Burt Ward was still voicing Robin and he's clearly not in his 20s anymore. I don't know. I wasn't there. Well, it's it's. (laughs) I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't... No, I get it. And I don't even know necessarily that I have, like, a problem with this per se. I just think it's, like, interesting to think about from that perspective as well. But, like, I like that Sigourney Weaver's still in this movie. Like, I would love for everyone who makes these Avatar movies to just get buckets of money dumped into their home. We start asking that question. It's like, can we not de-age actors anymore either to play? You know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I do personally feel cause like we're watching the old man and like they have, they are, they have actors cast in these younger roles for Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow. And I think it's working great. Yeah, but I also think like in the Marvel movies, it's fascinating to see how well they've been able to pull off the de-aging as well. It you know? is. It is. It is. And this is all this is all very futuristic and complex. <laughs> <laughs> what I do, I don't have a, what I do kind of have a problem with is like, you know, you hear about the articles where they're talking about like, oh, we're going to do a James Dean movie and we're going to bring back James Dean the yeah, actual no. actor that that's weird like even if the Don't estate do that. <laughs> even if the estate signs off on it that's weird it's weird yeah but if sigourney weaver wants to play a fucking teenage blue alien why not i mean uh, the the kristen shaw plays a child in bob's burgers i mean yeah so yeah. you're right the entire big mouth cast is playing children it's an adult show i i I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if she's doing all the underwater stuff with it too, or or if she's only providing voice. I mean, is she doing all the CGI capture? From she what I very passionate about, if she's holding holding her breath for six minutes underwater. From what incredible. I'm hearing, they're doing a lot of the acting underwater. Yes. Wow. Maybe she was just excited for the challenge of it. I'd, I'd really, I'm gonna have to seek out an interview. And and see if I can get some more of her direct thoughts on it. Because I do find it very, very intriguing. I'm happy that they found a way to bring her character back. Um, I, I saw some screenshots of what it looked like. And I thought it looked pretty good. Um, I never saw the first Avatar in the theater. So I, I just totally missed out on that. I was That was a point in time in my life where I was just in the woods <laughs> all the time. And, and, and I was not in the theaters or even thinking about it. So this next go-round, I'm looking forward to seeing this just to kind of see what I missed out on the first go round. And I did luck out that the first time that, that I saw this trailer in the theater, it was for a, a movie that 
that I was seeing that was in 3D. So I did get to see the that first trailer mm-hmm. for it in 3D, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I love Sigourney Weaver. She's she's one of those actors that you know, with me growing up on Ghostbusters and stuff, she's just been in my life for as long as I can remember. And so I'm excited to see her in in anything that you know isn't Defenders. <laughs> oh God, yes. Oh, what a waste. She's so good. Total waste. It was yeah. so that was depressing john you got any thoughts on this i am like joe i actually missed out on seeing avatar surprisingly in the theaters the first round but i saw it soon after on home video and it wasn't as amazing but the sigourney weaver part really intrigues me and i'm glad that she's going to be in it going forward and I have to go see it now because I missed out on the first go around. And I think that's, what's going to attract a lot of people to go see it. And even if the story's not amazing, and even if it's not the greatest movie in the world, they're going to go see it because they don't want to miss out on the spectacle. And, Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm there for it. There's no way I'm not going to go see it. It's going to make over a billion easy. Oh no, no, it won't. No, it won't. Everybody said, no, it won't. I didn't like the first one. So it ain't going to make, it ain't going to make over a billion. It's going to make over a billion easy. I'm telling you internationally, it's going to, it's going to do huge numbers. Um, I, I will not be surprised if, uh, if it hits 2 billion, to be quite honest with you. Internationally, this movie's going to explode. It's never going to be like the domestic box office champion, but when you take in global, Box office, this movie is going to be huge. So, yeah. Um, and, and I hope I, they can come up with a more compelling plot this go. I do too, man. I never count out Cameron, man. He's fucking, especially Cameron sequels. This guy is, yeah, I That's don't know. a really valid point. I never and when you're, Go ahead. When you're going with your friends to see Avatar, you're going to pay the extra money to go see the 3d or the imax you're gonna this is a movie that's you know it has a track record and you're gonna go see it in those you know uh those formats that require more money to go see yeah the 3d upcharge is going to be huge on this one so yeah i think it's going to bring out i think it's going to bring out a lot of people i think a lot of people are going to go to want to go see this in december when it drops so uh, news from Dark Horizons, uh, the upcoming Prey movie. They're talking about the uh, Predator movie, the new Dra- Dan Trachtenberg film. Um, uh, a film that seemingly takes a big creative swing by putting the creature in a specific time period, setting and returning to the franchise's hardcore survival thriller roots. Anticipation is high for the film, and its director, Dan Trachtenberg, says that he sees a lot of potential for future films in the franchise. So as long as it keeps taking risks, he tells Time Out. Um, oh, shit. I just lost it. I apologize. I clicked. Ugh. Yeah, welcome to PCL. I'm a fuck up. Anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about uh, my friend like that. I'm, d- <laughs> I'm your friend? Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's actually, I, after this story, that's the next story is like, I'm Melissa's <laughs> friend. Oh my God. I've made it to friend status. That's awesome. Um, there are a lot of exciting uh, ideas for what could be for next for the franchise. The thing 
the things that most excite me as the boldest swings, and I think there's scope to do other things that haven't been done before. Uh, certainly, the film's central premise of putting the creature in specific settings and locations in history and watching them run amok like a variation on the Assassin's Creed formula is appealing. Uh, play, prey unfolds on America's Great Plains three centuries ago where a female Comanche warrior, played by Amber Midthunder, uh, faces off against the intergalactic hunter in deadly cat and mouse pursuit. Um, so, yeah, one, one key thing that Trachtenberg brings back is less of a focus on the story and more on the battle. Quote, there's a, not a lot of dialogue in the movie. It's largely told through action. So, um, I don't know. We're getting closer and closer to that August 5th release date on Hulu. And, um, man, there's a part of me, Joe, that just wants this movie to be the Predator movie that gets us loving um, this property again. I, I, I want this movie to succeed. I, I wasn't blown away by the trailer, but my God, I, I love the Predator series. Uh, the Predator, excuse me, the first movie very much. I appreciate the second one for what it is, what it was. Yeah, I'll give you that. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, now we're going, you know, it was in the jungle, now we're in the fucking urban jungle for the second one, you know, we're gonna take it to the city. I was like, okay, cool, you know. Um, I hope this is good, man, and if it's good, and he's saying, like, you know, I want to do more of these, possibly, who knows where we could see the Predator show up next, you know? They oh, could, dude, yeah. as soon as he said that he could see, you know, other other sequels to this and, and jumping around to key points in history, one of the first ones that popped into my head was there's this story that during World War II, Allied and Axis forces had to join together to fight off the giant wolves that were coming after them and inflicting huge casualties on both sides. Yes. And that storyline would be incredible. Holy with, fuck. With, yeah. at, with Allied and Axis, you know, like an outpost or something like that. And maybe they got some prisoners and they need to like all join together because there's a predator that's out there taking them out. Like that could be really, really cool as a period piece. Dude, that's the movie I want to see right now. Holy <laughs> shit. It sounds exciting. Yeah. Melissa, are you a fan of any of the predator movies and are you excited for this one? I am pretty excited for this one, but I actually haven't seen any predator movies. I've seen the original alien and that is as far as I've gotten in this very extended franchise. <laughs> oh my God. You've never seen aliens. No, not the you've second one. never seen oh. Sigourney Weaver say, get away from her. You bitch. No, but it's coming. Um, <laughs> we'll be doing it on wild, pretty things. I think, think within this year still so soon <laughs> oh my god oh my god and you still have to watch predator the original it, it still holds up 1987 and that movie is still fucking incredible anyway holy shit john talk to me i'm embarrassed i have not seen any predator movies i don't think i know kill me now I, I, Joe, I, I where have it blows my mind. I feel like, <laughs> no, I feel like I, 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 I feel like a parent that has just found out that I feel like, you know, like, I feel like how Dahmer's parents must have felt, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time I come on this show, this happens. 
I fu- I raised. You I, haven't seen Terminator. I raised this kid, and now he's fucking eating people. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's fucking doing lobotomies on people in his apartment, and he's eating them too. John, you've never seen Predator. I know. I'm about ready to just fucking wrap this episode, drive to Peoria with my copy of Predator, and fucking clockwork orange your ass to watch Predator. (laughs) When did the the first movie come out? 1987, and it is incredible. Well, I was only four. Well, you know what? You're not four anymore, and the movie has... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Movie's been out for fucking thirty five plus years. <laughs> it's streaming on Hulu, also, and so you were able to watch "Good Luck to You, Leo Grand." So you can totally watch Predator. Is he in Predator? Oh, uh, Leo! It's streaming on Hulu. Leo <laughs> Leo Grand gives the Predator a blowjob. If I have to say that oh, in order to, get, well, I'll say it. anything to get you to watch the movie, John. Yeah. <laughs> The Predator has his first orgasm. <laughs> I'm in. Oh, man. John. Oh, my God, John. Seriously, oh. give it a watch, dude. It is so good. Like, it's, it's peak Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah, man. This is like, this is like Arnold Schwarzenegger doing his R-rated shit. It's, it's fucking, it's just, it's. Arnold versus an alien. It's badassery at its finest. And you get that fucking, you get that fucking Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger scene where they fucking, oh my God, the biceps are just, just, oh Jesus Christ. I, I, I need to pause. I'm going to come. Holy fuck. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was, I was raised on Conan the Barbarian and, I do remember Conan. Yeah. Oh, I love those Conan movies. I got some Conan vibes on the last episode of Stranger Things. I wrote that down. Yeah. Really? I, I remember. Okay. I got to watch it now because I fucking love Conan. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it breaks my heart, John. It breaks my heart. I know. It's all right. Watch it, man. Watch it. Uh, next time I have you on, if you haven't watched uh, Predator, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you, John. Well, now it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going to jump into Yo, no, I think I really hope that the, I really hope that this Prey movie is fantastic. I'm actually I'll be dog sitting over at my sister's house. She's going to be gone, so I'll be dog sitting. And uh while I'm dog sitting, she's got a, a front projector in uh in the house, and so I'm going to be watching this on a big fucking front projector and and uh, it's going to be the closest I can get to seeing this in a movie experience. And I hope it just hits, man. I really do. I want this to work because I want more Predator. And I want more good Predator movies, Joe, because nothing's ever lived up to that fucking yeah. 87. I agree. And I feel like just synopsis wise, this one has a very good chance of it. It's different. It's different. Yes. And I, I am a little bit when he talks about less dialogue and more fucking action. I'm just like, OK. Okay, I'm in. All right, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go in. Hopefully, feeling good about this, and hopefully, leave feeling great because uh, I, I love a great Predator movie, and I think we've only had, I, I think we've only had the one, Joe. 
really <laughs> only the one was good. I, yeah. I feel like every follow up one has been a, a disappointment on one level or another. I agree. Like there's been scenes in them that I enjoyed, yeah. but not like overall, like, oh, this movie's fucking incredible. And, you know, m- maybe we're too close to the to the original one. We're putting up on a pedestal. But I, I think there's a reason it gets put up on a pedestal by so many re- people. Well, the fucking the it dir- is. It's a fucking classic. Same director from Die Hard. I mean, John McTiernan was on a fuck. He was the action guy. Yeah. John McTiernan. <laughs> like, I mean, John, tell me you've seen Die Hard. Oh, no. John, John. I've seen that. <laughs> you get your gold star back, Melissa. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Oh, God. I, I, yes, I am. I am. I am ceremoniously removing John's fucking. Gold star, it's gone. And <laughs> I'm fucking with you, John. I'm fucking with you. Um, let's see here. Let's jump into uh, Marvel news for this week. news tons of marvel rumors joe the, i'm telling you dude tons of marvel rumors coming this week fast and furious marvel rumors i'm just gonna be throwing them at you man just jesus nice. you're, you're not gonna be able to dodge all these goddamn fucking marvel rumors i'm gonna be throwing at you it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> this comes from the new york times taron Edger, uh, taron egerton uh we know him he, he was in rocket man played elton john uh he was in the kingsman movies the the first two i believe um he met he's met he confirmed that he's met with marvel studios executives including kevin feige about the possible role in the mcu he also talks about the possibility of succeeding hugh jackman as the next wolverine here's what the article said in the new york times he also hopes to succeed jackman as the next wolverine and has met with marvel studios executives including the company's president kevin feige quote i don't think it would be wrong to say that I'd be excited, but I'd be apprehensive as well because Hugh is so associated with that role that I'd wonder if it'd be very difficult for someone else to do it. He paused, then flashed a grin, but hopefully if it does come around, they'll give me a shot. Not my first choice to be quiet. I know a lot of people are fucking petitioning for uh, uh, Taron Egerton to be the next Wolverine. Definitely not my first choice on the list, but Joe, you might have a different view. Um, you know, I've seen the mock-ups online, and, and I, I think he would be okay in it. I think they're going to have to do stuff, stuff to rough him up a little bit and make him not look quite so boyish, I guess. Like, he, there's some roles that he's in where he just looks so clean-cut and youthful and stuff, you know? And, and I know Wolverine is a character that doesn't age, but he's also, also pretty rough-looking. So they're going to have to do something to kind of roughen him up a little bit, but I'll tell you what, I'll take him over Scott Eastman. Um, you know, cause there was some Scott Eastwood some talk. Eastwood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mixing up people. Um, uh, yeah. I, cause I didn't, I didn't care for that. Um, I guess I haven't really given too much thought to who else that I would cast in the role. Um, if they're able to get the look right, I, I, I would go with Taron Edgerton though. I still like Pablo Schreiber. Oh, that would be great. He's pretty tall, though, right? Isn't that? So is so is fucking so is 
uh, Hugh Jackman and we gave him a shot. That's a good point. And I think we're pretty far past like, oh, Wolverine has to be 5'6". Like, nah, I think we're pretty far Wolverine past in the that. comics was actually 5'3". Very, I know he was – I mean that was kind of the, the whole thing is that it's this smaller guy and you don't expect him to be as ferocious as he is. And um, Yeah, I mean I don't know. I'm so excited to see it – to see some of these characters that we've seen in the Fox universe start to come in. But I do worry – about the characters that were such hits and man, Jackman's way up at the top of that list. I, yeah. It's going to be really hard. And and it's good to hear that, that at least Taron Edgerton's like cognizant of that. Like, like uh, you could be stepping into a firing squad here. If you come in and, and they don't have good writing for you. I mean, you could come in and give a really good performance, but if they're not giving you writing or, or something else around, it sucks. It's just an extra albatross that they're going to hang around his neck. And, you know, because you're already coming up against adversity to come in and be like, hey, y'all loved Hugh Jackman in nearly every single movie he was in as Wolverine. Now I'm going to come in and replace that yeah. is the next one. And so it's I, I think it almost takes balls to step into do a role like that because. You've, you've got to be starting off on a bad foot, right? Well, th- well, think about what Ledger must have been thinking, you know, about oh, for sure. following up Nicholson, which was like, that was like the, that was like the Joker per- performance that, you know, for, I'd say, you know, from 1989 and up until 2012, like, you know, when we thought of the Joker in live action, we thought of Nicholson. You know, and for its oh, time, it was, it was incredible. And, and what he did with that role, because previously, you know, it was just, the 66 Batman, which was, you know, what much more slapstick. So to actually see like a legit take on it, it revolutionized things. And yeah. That's what, that's the level of shit you're going to have to do coming into this role as Wolverine. I mean, that's a, it's a tall order. It's weird. It's like, it's like, a, okay, our first uh, Wolverine here was a song and dance man. Let's get another song and dance man. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) uh, John, do you have any thoughts on Taron Egerton as uh, the the next Wolverine? I like Taron Egerton as the next Wolverine. I I think he's very attractive, which doesn't hurt. Um, And he I think he appeals to women and men equally in 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 a way that other actors don't i think pablo shriver uh might appeal more to just the men crowd i i still picture him being from uh orange is the new black as this skeezy guy and um you gotta go american gods way hotter oh yeah i have not seen that (laughs) oh he's so good melissa you want to bang a leprechaun what's going on over there <laughs> I I do not discriminate much. <laughs> she, I want to thirst after every hot actor. Jesus, every one of them. That's Jesus. the whole reason I'm watching anything. <laughs> oh my god, we got fucking horned up, fucking Melissa on this episode. What the fuck? She <laughs> she, she wants to see what's at the end of his fucking rainbow. Anyway, wow, I Melissa, mean. Melissa, you pick Pablo Schreiber over Taron Egerton. For looks or for Wolverine? Well, <laughs> I love this conversation. <laughs> I know. I'm like all of the above. <laughs> yeah, I think I would. I like Taron Edgerson, but he's kind of like, I mean, he's great. 
little white bread. Uh, a little bit. Wolverine's Canadian. okay he's from the fucking great white enough to be this character he's fucking he's from the great white north oh i was like there's white people in canada i don't get it (laughs) what's the problem (laughs) but yeah yeah i don't know about uh taryn egerton as wolverine i i was, Joe, were you saying that he's got like the boyish looks and they have to rough yeah. him up? I I agree, man. You know, I I don't think he's you have to a grizzled look to him. You know? Yeah, yeah. Pablo Schreiber is like carved from like fucking those uh, those uh, leading men from like the seventies where they didn't have like those the boyish looks of like the sex symbols. Now it was like we had fucking Tom Selleck. Uh, Harrison <laughs> Ford, uh, fucking Ted Danson, for God's sake! I, these are just chiseled men with big chins and 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 mustaches and 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 body hair all the fuck over their bodies just covered in fur and wolverine's covered in fur i <laughs> so, <laughs> i don't know whoever they cast i'm sure hopefully is going to do a great job i'm a little bit more into the whole pablo schreiber casting than i in into egerton i think uh but um yeah, well, Egerton had a hairy chest in the uh, Elton John movie. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, now you're you're, you're starting to sway me, John. <laughs> I almost see Egerton playing Cyclops more than Wolverine, though. I think he seems like he's got a good look for that. That's a good point. Yeah, or with all that fucking hair, he could be the Beast. <laughs> right, John. <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> oh, guys! Now we're gonna uh, rapid fire rumors here. Rumor from Great Phase Fifteen on Twitter um, knew about the Blade filming delay about a month ago or so. Schedule shift and other variables make these things happen. We'll still make late twenty twenty three release date. The script is among the best Marvel Studios have received, and so nice. yeah. Um, Looking forward to – I can't believe it. Fucking Mahershala Ali is 48 years old. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty Damn. sure. I'm pretty sure. How old is Mahershala – here we go. He was the first Muslim 48 to get an Academy Award. 48 years old, born on February 16th of 1974. Yeah. I mean. Good for fucking him. Jesus, he looks like he's. Uh, yeah, he easily looks like he's still in his young 30s. Yeah, he, he could definitely. I, I think uh, I'd say about 38. I'd say about 10 years younger. Man, he, he had my heart ever since Moonlight. He's so great. Oh, Moonlight! Yes, dude. That's that's the movie that 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 really turned me on to him. Uh, just that, what an incredible performance! Yeah, he's fantastic. But uh, yeah, hopefully the rumor's true, and this Blade script is gonna be fucking awesome. Because I I don't want to get into the whole rated R of it, but I hope it is. I just Great. hope it's fun. I hope it's fun and not too dark. I mean, like. You've got to have it dark, but I just hope it's fun, too. And, like, I don't feel like I'm watching something that, you know, I'm just getting down about. Well, okay. Mm. I to- it's 
it's still going to be a Disney Marvel movie, right? So they're, they're going to incorporate some fun. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I have with like not making it rated R. You're dealing with vampires. <laughs> yeah. You're and, dealing and with a guy that carries a sword. I was just going to say, you're dealing with a character whose main weapon is a sword and he's fighting vampires. Now, this is what they could do. He could stab them with the sword and then they just like fizzle and burn. And you know what I mean? That's true. I mean, I I just want to see blood exploding and shit. Yeah. And they kind of walk a real line with not making it jokey because it's like I love those first two Blade movies, but they're not – yeah, they have some moments in them that kind of make you chuckle a little bit, but yeah, I hope it's like I hope it's like a mix between like True Blood. I don't want it to be as campy as True Blood, but I want it to be like in the middle of that and like a serious movie. You know, I want yeah. it to have some levity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they can strike that same tone that was in the first and second ones, then then they're going to be doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God. And Have you ever re- everything about the third one? Like, oh man, that was. Well, the third one. Have you ever read like the stories about the onset problems that they had? <laughs> yes. The the Wesley Snipes would only communicate with the director via notes, and he would sign <laughs> every one of them Blade. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he kind of lost it in that last one. He didn't work out and train. Tick. He didn't work out and train for that one. So like, there wasn't like you know, like in the first two, it's like you can see his arms and he's ripped and. You could tell he really yeah. put the work in. And that third one, it's like he's – I think they covered him up. And like the times you do get to see him, he's just not in the shape that he was before. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's really cool that fucking Marvel hired this dude at 40 fucking eight years old. Good for him. Fucking awesome. Gives us all hope, Joe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude. I can't wait to see him doing it. He's going to look great yeah. in, in the whole Daywalker you know, outfit and everything. It's going to be sweet. Hope they nail the car also. Yeah, man, that that car in the first movie was fuck yeah. That was a character unto itself, in my opinion. I think the Whistler casting will be interesting too when we hear about who's yes. going to be the next Whistler. Yeah. yeah, well, it's really too bad that that Wesley Snipes. Well, it's I don't know his his role in I Am Dolomite was pretty good. Yeah, um, it'd be great if if he was in that Kevin Hart series together. on Netflix. That was really good. I finished That's it. Right, he was, and he was really good in that. Really fucking good. Um, so it'd be it would be really cool to see him do Whistler, but it's like I've said that for years. I really yeah, would, would love he that. be problematic in the role just because of has he was right was he just acting like that back then because he was full of himself and has he gotten older and wiser now? And I'd be worried that they that he, they would hire him and they were like, dude, we hired you to be Whistler. You're not a consultant. Exactly. Like, that's the sort of shit that I would be worried about. Is he going to be in there thinking like, oh, I'm going to be passing notes. It's like, you're in the MCU now. Just settle down. Enjoy your checks that you're getting. And for God's sakes, pay fucking taxes on him this time. And fucking him trying to give notes to fucking Mahershala Ali. (laughs) Like, I don't I don't we I don't I I don't need him pissing off our main star of the movie and making it like a toxic work environment. And I hope that's I hope he's past that because I really I really like Wesley Snipes, dude. Like, I fucking loved him ever since Major League, you know, so. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah. But yeah, I was absolutely on the Wesley Snipes train in the 90s. Fuck yeah. Like, yeah, when I, are we going to get a, like, Passenger 57? Do you remember Money like, Train? Do you remember Money Train? Yeah, Money Train was fun, too. Yeah, go ahead, John. Or are we going to get a Tu Wong Fu part two? Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god. Yeah, that was oh my god. Um uh fuck. Who else was in that? Was it Patrick Swayze? Patrick Swayze and John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Yeah. Oh my god, I haven't seen that since the fucking nineties. Same. That was the trailblazer for that was a trailblazer for trans awareness. I mean it it like it it really made it seem like it you know, it, it it drew the seriousness to it instead of just them being characters. I couldn't believe it. Fucking two weeks ago, my dad like texted me and like he's like, I, you know, the new Star Trek is like making my dad a fan of his first trans actor, the new mm-hmm. Star Trek, um, Strange New Worlds. He's like, yeah. He texts me and he's like, there's a trans actor in star trek strange new worlds and they were fantastic and i was like oh my god i can't believe my dad my dad who's been like in the baptist church for fucking his entire life is sending me this text message and it really it fucking seriously melissa like this has been something like in my life where like there's been like I love my dad. I love my parents. And, and, but there's certain things that you want to change and you know that they're older and more set in their ways. And it's like, you really want them to come around on stuff. And it's like, I come from a place of love when we do have conversations, but sometimes it can get into, it can get into arguments. And then like, it turns into like my mom saying like, you guys don't need to be talking about this stuff anymore. You guys can't talk. (laughs) Yes. So it was really, it really meant a lot to me. And I didn't like fucking like double down on it and start fucking like, you know, texting him a lot more stuff i just took it as a win and that my dad's coming around a little bit and it really made my fucking day that my yeah i really i really love that for both of you for your dad to be of the world and for you to have this experience i'm still working on it with mine (laughs) and it was it was star trek my dad loves star trek and it was like it's one of those things where it's like you know, you can worry like, okay, will this turn my dad off to like this series? But no, it like my dad saw the value in the episode. My dad saw the value in the actor and the performance and reached out to me. He didn't have to. And it, it, it fucking spoke volume. So I just wanted to say that, which, cause that, that, that made me happy. It's a real moment on PCL. Anyway. Yeah. That's so incredible. Brian, were you, Brian, were you baptized? I was baptized against, me too. against my will, John. Me too. Yeah. Yep. I was baptizing. I, bur- I burned what my baptism papers. The children. Let's not. Let's, we got to get off of this. We got to get. We got to <laughs> stop. Let's talk about Marvel news. Jesus Sorry. Christ. Sorry. <laughs> and that's my fault. Steve Weintraub from Collider said this on Twitter. Uh, he goes by at Collider Frosty on Twitter. He said, uh, talking about uh, Marvel Studios coming to Comic-Con again. Uh, they've been absent for quite a few years. He says, uh, been sitting on Marvel Studios coming to Comic-Con for over a month. Panel is Saturday night in Hall H. Heard they were going to go, they were going big. And then heard they're just bringing one movie. If it's one movie, I'll wager it's Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Not sure what they actually decided. But, so, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, they're going big or just Black Panther Wakanda Forever. You know, I'm happy for Black Panther Wakanda Forever footage. That's awesome. Man, I would love them to go big in Hall H. I was actually talking to Jake about this last week. Jake actually came over to my house. We played that new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge game 
on the Switch, which, first off, that game is fucking awesome. We beat it. It was so much fucking fun. I had a blast. Um, I play. Who did I play at first? I was Splinter, and then I switched to April. And, oh, my God, I had a fuck. That game is fun as shit. Like, I don't play video games, and so it's very rare that I do. And I the 2D side-scrolling fighting games are, like, in my wheelhouse. That shit I love. But I like to play them with people. So when Jake came over and played it, it was a fucking blast. But anyway, um, we were talking about this, and and um, I was telling him, like, I really want them to go big. I, I, I really want them to go all out. Like, like, going back to the years when, like, fucking Tom Hiddleston showed up in, like, full Loki costume and the crowd was going nuts. And, like, you know, that year where they fucking brought the Avengers out on stage before they even made the movie. They brought, you know, Jeremy Renner and Chris Evans and Hemsworth and all of them out on stage and they were all out there. Like, that's the kind of, like, Hall H appearance that I want this St. Louis Com- – not St. Louis um, – San Diego Comic-Con to be – this year i really want them to like i i would love it if kevin feige was like this is like the next like this is this is the stuff that we haven't talked about like these are the next fucking like nine ten movies that we're planning over the like next you know four or five years or whatever it's been a while since we've had like that and i would uh i would love that kind of a um san diego comic-con announcement i want to talk to you guys about that here real quick but um, big screen leaks said on Twitter, I've been hearing there will likely be footage for a few upcoming projects. I think you could also expect a reveal there. I know they're saving some for D23 as well. So who knows? I mean, maybe they're saving it all for D23, but I'm hoping it's huge. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I mean, you've got a, a huge platform for, for you know, like the, I mean, this world that, that this stuff exists in to to do it in san diego comic-con in, in hall h and man i think back to like so many years in the past when they were there and they would just come out and announce all these exciting things and you know the geek world would just be a buzz with it it would be such huge news and it, and it would be something that would cause you know months of speculation following it and so it's like as a company that is doing this stuff to make money you make money by generating buzz for your products, why wouldn't you do this? And why wouldn't you come in and swing big so that you dominate those headlines? Yeah, dominate they've got D23. Afterwards. They've got D23. You know, it's not – it used to be it's like yeah, Hall but why H. why not win both events? I, you know, I agree. I mean, this, it's fucking Marvel Studios we're talking about here. They're, they're putting out the biggest movies that are being done right now. And man, they, they totally got it to be able to do it it's just a question of will they and if not why the fuck not it seems like you could only profit from it and i don't know i just i just miss those days of of hearing throughout the weekend uh, all this different news filtering in you know from these big panels in in hall h and so i would personally love a return to that and and see them come out and and share some future news get us super excited about you know this next stuff that's to come Maybe even share some details about what, you know, phase five would be like. Um, it needs to I, be. I, I've it, got high hopes because I think it would just be boring if they only came out and talked about, you know, Wakanda forever. We need we need fucking Kevin Feige to come out there and be like, guys, you know, a lot of exciting things coming. And then he fucking shows us you're getting a Nova movie. 
And then it's like, you know, and then show us some concept art. Yeah. People go crazy. Sweet. And then all of a sudden he's like, guys, you know, he shows us some more projects and he's like, guys, and this is all leading up to secret wars. Like people would go fucking nuts, Joe. I know they, they need to lay those breadcrumbs out and, and it's such a big global state. I mean, granted it's, you know, it's a Comic-Con in San Diego, but it gets a lot of attention. And so it might as well be a global stage at that point to, to do that. And just, you know, if you're going to make a big splash, do it in a play do it in the right place. Yeah. And you know, yeah, D 23 is absolutely appropriate. That's their thing. But it's like, why not dominate both of them? You're clearly already going to dominate the D 23 thing because your competitors aren't there, but why not jump in the pool where all your competitors are at? And that's where you make the big splash off the high dive. Yeah. Why go in there and play it safe? And you know, I'm going to put one foot in the pool and slowly get in. It's like, no, <laughs> well, I think, and make a big fucking splash. Get well, us talking about it. Get especially, especially since this is like the first like real San Diego Comic-Con that we've had since, you know, the pandemic and everything, you know, like, yeah, yeah, let's make a big splash there. Um, did you see the Apple TV plus is going to be going to San Diego Comic-Con for the first time? Oh, I did not see that. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder what. Should get a lot of news out of Apple TV Plus, but um, I don't know, John, Melissa. Do you guys follow the San Diego Comic Con news? I know I I I don't as much as I used to because it's it's not the event that it used to be. But for me, I follow it as much as you cover it on this show. Okay, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, at this show, I mean, we used to we used to live on San Diego Comic Con, and then mm-hmm. Disney started to pull their stuff out really and do the D twenty three stuff, and so I don't think San Diego Comic Con's been as exciting as it was when you had you know Warner Brothers and you had Warner Brothers and Disney presenting both of their stuffs, uh, both of their projects over the same weekend, and then it was kind of like, okay, who did it better? You know, like who had the better weekend? Who presented more? What was better? You know, so. It's a lot more fun back in the day. But um, uh, if we're to believe CineStealth on Twitter, the Inhumans are coming to the MCU and not just 838 Black Bolt. So they're saying the Universal Inhumans will appear in the Marvels. These are the genetic experiments of the Kree on planets all over the galaxy, including Earth. So, Joe, not just that terrible fucking series... <laughs> they're saying that proper inhumans are going to be introduced into the Marvels and they're not just going to be genetic experiments on earth, but planets all over the galaxy. wonder if secret invasion is going to start planting the seeds for this. Yeah. That's kind of the first thought that pops into my head too, is the, the how of it, because I don't see them giving us, another origin or or whatever they tried to do with that series um i i wonder if they'll just kind of drop us into it well dude secret wars would be a good way to do it mm -hmm. uh great phase 15 said it will all set up someone find uh, someone finding a royal family on the moon really the only inhuman on earth is kamala talking about kamala khan as marvel Great way to keep in humans a big cosmic thing and away from Earth, which will eventually have the mutants whenever they are introduced. But my time to shine hello said Kamala is not an inhuman in the MCU. Ooh, yeah. Just let it go. So. 
I yeah, have... because it's like okay, they, they, they. I don't. I, yeah, I read the Miss Marvel comic since, and um, the man that her her um origin in that is is really fantastic. I wish, I kind of wish they would have stuck with it in a way. Oh for yeah, the the show just because it works so well. Granted, I love the show and I've continued to love the show. Um, but man, in in the comics, she is she is she's a um an inhuman. And, you know, that Terrigen bomb goes off in New York. It drifts over to Jersey City and she turns into Miss Marvel. Pretty straightforward. Um, so I'm really curious how they're going to do the the Inhumans in this, because right now Black Bolt is really the only thing that we've gotten so far. But and that's in the multiverse that was on Earth 838. So, yeah. Man, yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome, though, if they could really nail the Lockjaw character? Yeah. It'd be so fun to see in live action, but yeah. only if they can do it right. Yeah. It's just, I don't know if I can believe these leakers saying what they're saying, but they're saying the Inhumans are coming, so we will see. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever rumors from Cinestealth on Twitter. There will be a flashback sequence in Black Panther Wakanda Forever showing the Spanish invasion and colonization of the Americas. We will see an altercation between Namor's people and the Conquistadors. Uh, Namor City will be called Tlalocan, uh, Tlalocan, but they still make reference to it as Atlantis. Some of the film's dialogue is Spanish. Some is either Mayan or Mixtec, thinking this is mostly during the flashback scenes. Uh, the Aztec Jaguar god uh, Tepe I'm, I'm terrible with this pronunciation. pronunciation. will appear. Namor will wear a jaguar headdress at one point and will gain the ability to fly from the gods. Uh, Atuma will also appear. His costume is really cool and his helmet is made from the skull bones of a shark. He still has blue skin like in the comics. So do his followers. And so I actually was able to find online today some concept art of uh, Namor in the Jaguar headdress, uh, Atuma in his full costume. Uh, he's a blue skin kind of uh, Atlantean underwater um, barbarian warlord in the comics and has gone uh, to battle with Namor. I posted those pictures. I sent them to you guys. I think the designs look pretty fucking cool. Um and, uh, you know, very, uh, yeah, they're definitely going away from like the traditional Atlantis and doing something more Mayan here. And I, I think it's fucking, I think it looks really cool. Um, but, uh, I have a feeling, maybe I'm wrong here, but I have a feeling that it will start off with a battle between the Wakandans and, you know, uh, the people of Wakanda. But I do think maybe by the end of this thing, They'll team up and fight against the Tuma. I don't know. Oh, that kind of makes sense. I would like that. Um, I'm very unfamiliar with these characters from the books. I've, I've only seen Namor kind of pop into a, a, a handful of different issues. I don't know if I've ever read a Tuma in anything. I love all this concept art, though. I think it looks pretty good. I, I like them bringing in uh, the Mayan aspect to it, um, especially because that that whole like Yucatan peninsula portion of Mexico is it's a, it's very porous ground, like with lots of limestone. And so you can like jump into sinkholes there and actually be in salt water. Um, so the ocean kind of flows under a lot of, 
of that part of Mexico. And so if they're able to kind of work in some of that stuff into here as the way that, you know, a lot of this concept art suggests, I think that there's some really rich material in there and, and man, we might get some really, really cool concept or really cool designs and stuff in this. Um, I'm looking I've, I've for it. Dude. Wondered, like, how is this going to be working with, with the Wakandans fighting, well, you know, the, the Atlanteans. We're going to see their I, Navy, and, dude. Yeah. That, but it's like, I guess, I guess the part of it I'm not up wrapping my mind around is, is, is a Wakanda, a, a country that's like a coastal. Cause it seemed like it was like landlocked. And so it's like, why are they in a war with people? Why would they even have a Navy? So I, these are all questions that kind of need to be, yeah. I guess, ironed out in, in my mind. But th- they seem like they're kind of inconsequential things. They're just little nitpicks I've got right now. Just it really purely comes just from a lack of my understanding. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it'll be interesting how they do that. But um, I don't know. If, Melissa, John, do you have any? I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this as well. I don't know how steeped in this you guys are. I don't have any like comics knowledge, but I follow the MCU. So mostly like I'm excited to see all of this come to fruition. I'm really excited to see what uh, the MCU is going to do with the characters that were established uh, pre Thanos, like how those stories are going to play out post Thanos and like post TV shows. And like, I'm mostly curious about like how integrated all of this is going to be. Um, all of the images of the stuff that is coming in um, Wakanda Forever. I'm like really excited by it. I I trust. I don't want to say I know because I haven't seen the movie, but I trust that Wakanda Forever is going to be like a very visually rich movie, and I'm really excited for that. And I hope that the story is just as good as the original Black Panther movie. I hope so too, but my God, I mean, the a little messy, <laughs> uh, a lot of messy. I Coogler's got his work cut out for him. We're all going to be missing Chadwick, and so it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be hard to watch this movie just without our Black Panther in the movie. Like we. I think, you know, if you're a fan of the MCU, you love that character and be interesting to see how it's handled. Um, online scooper Casey Walsh shares a crop, shared a cropped image of Dr. Doom with the caption, he's coming soon, don't worry. And then that tweet was like immediately deleted. So I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I believe he's, uh, from everything that I'm hearing, my time to shine hello is saying, yeah, Dr. Doom's going to come sooner than you think. So I... Who knows? We might be. I don't know. He might be. We might be seeing Doctor Doom a lot sooner than we think. I guess. I mean, when they say stuff like that, it makes me. (laughs) When they say stuff like that, it makes me think: Are we seeing Doctor Doom before the Fantastic Four movie? Yeah, that's what I think. I I think that there's either just going to be reference of. um, I'm totally blanking on the name of his country right now. Latveria. Yeah, there's either going to be mention of Latveria or or mention of of him by name, or maybe it'll like be in like a news article or a news scroll. Um, yeah, I, I I do feel like that means that we're going to see him somehow before an actual Fantastic Four movie to just set up his presence as you know because he's kind of a world power in the comics, right? Oh yeah, 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and if they're giving us Secret Wars, then please give us an awesome Doctor Doom to go with Secret Wars. Otherwise, what are you doing? I could I could see them maybe trying to do something fancy and switch around Kang, but Joe, come on, we ain't getting Doctor Doom and Secret like a big part of Secret Wars. Like I think it's got to be Kang. They got to switch the character up. They might. I mean, they might. And if they do it well, then then I'll be with them. I don't think you change horses midstream. I think it's all leading up to Kang. I think if then Kang's not a threat if they're if they're. I mean, unless the next big event is not Secret Wars. Yeah. They change stuff all the time in the MCU, Joe. And for the most part... No, this, this is true. I and mean, Hank Pym didn't fucking create Ultron. It was, it was you know, fucking Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, but really, they've only directly <laughs> named Kang in just Loki so far. So it's... I'm just surprised we haven't gotten more breadcrumbs for him in some of this other stuff. But. Well, there's a whole movie called uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which deals with Kang the villain being played by yeah. Jonathan Majors. Yeah, so maybe that's the one that's really going to kind of blow this open for us. Kang is a huge villain in the comics. And I think like if this is all leading to Secret Wars, I don't know how you... I don't know, Joe. I mean, I get it. The you know Comic book fans are going to be thinking, it's got to be Doctor Doom. You have to have Doctor Doom. You have to have Doctor Doom. And I just know how the MCU's done stuff, and I, I think they you know, I think they could change it to have it just be Kang in this instance, and they're, they're holding on to, maybe Doctor Doom is a part of it, but he's actually helping the heroes in this version, and by the end of it, then there's, like, the big reveal that Doctor Doom is not who he thinks. He's actually pulled kind of like a Lex Luthor here, and now he's our next big bad going into the next big phases of Marvel. Yeah. So. Well, for sure they're going to have to change large parts of it anyway. Because unless otherwise, are they going to explain what the Beyonders are and, and the Molecule right. Man connection and all this stuff? I yeah. mean, obviously they're going to have That's to change large like swaths of it. That's not happening. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> no. I wonder when, we, when, if ever, we'll get a Molecule Man um, <laughs> in the MCU. Hopefully never. uh great phase 15 had another uh if you're a fan of like the netflix uh marvel stuff this is what great phase 15 is saying um echo will be where jessica jones shows up oh that's cool they're saying that's where we're gonna see i i firmly believe the rumors that we are 100 percent seeing daredevil in that series and now uh great face 15 is saying uh jessica jones is going to show up there as well at the moment i don't see coulter returning so talking about mike coulter returning as uh um, luke cage and i definitely see marvel wiping iron fist clean and starting from scratch is what they say as well so mike coulter on a very successful cbs now i believe it's on paramount <laughs> What the fuck was that? <laughs> it was not on my side. <laughs> Did somebody just get murdered? Did someone die? John? I think that my mic was muted. Hopefully John's alive. I'm good. Okay, but I did just have a bunch of fireworks pop off, so it is very coincidental that I, <laughs> there was like a weird sound. I thought someone had stabbed John. 
I thought we were like, you know, you ever see it like now it's like one of those fucking like screen movies where it all takes place over a screen. I felt like that was happening here. Like we were going to have to like figure out like who murdered John. (laughs) Who drew the dicks? Don't talk about American Vandal. Okay. (laughs) I've never even seen it. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah. My culture didn't. I think they moved that evil show over to Paramount Plus. Uh, for the season three, and yeah, so that sounds right. He's doing he's doing that evil show. I don't see him coming back as Luke Cage, um, but uh, yeah. So we'll see. This is a rumor. This is ridiculous. This is on 4chan. Listen to this shit. This is from 4chan. Jason Siegel is allegedly playing the Thing in She Hulk. <laughs> what? I don't believe this at all. This is bullshit. I don't like it. It's Sweet terrible. Casting. The title says it. Siegel is the thing. Plays a major role in the last three episodes of She-Hulk. Originally was meant to debut in No Way Home before landing in She-Hulk. This is such bullshit. Originally was, uh, yeah, Jennifer has a mystery client who only communicates with her via a different lawyer. Lots of jokes about this. Who has a lawyer just to talk to lawyers? The character is being done in a mocap suit by Jason Seagal. Similar setup to how they did Thanos. Uh, the thing is fighting a defamation case. He shows up in e- episode eight, has fight scenes in nine and ten, mainly fights the wrecking crew. There's a moment where She-Hulk, the thing, and Daredevil share the screen, has a moment with Daredevil about being from New York and their respective areas. More jabby version of Cap and Spider-Man in Civil War. Okay. Why do I believe that this is bullshit? Well, number one, it sounds fucking ridiculous to have Jason Segal as the thing. And you're introducing the character way too fucking early, in my opinion, before the Fantastic Four movie, which we just got done saying that they, they might do that with Dr. Doom. But that's completely besides the point. But I've heard that rumor from, like, reliable leakers. Um, the other thing is they say he shows up in episode eight, has fight scenes in nine and ten. Um, there's only nine episodes in the fucking She-Hulk series. <laughs> Calling bullshit, Joe. Oh, absolutely. Well, that and, and if if She Hulk's CGI looks that rough, and she's the titular character, uh, imagine what the thing would look like. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> in, in fight scenes to boot? No, no, that, that's not happening. That's not debuting on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> Melissa, John. Calling bullshit. Bullshit. John, did somebody murder you? Are you are you still with us? I feel like I feel like we're in the knives out fucking sequel right now. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was directed by Ryan Johnson. Anyway. Yeah, I don't I I I guess just him as an actor, I have a hard time taking him seriously sometimes but i don't mind it you don't mind him as ben grimm <laughs> i mean i'd rather have someone else oh john you've never seen predator you, you you're not opposed to jason seagal being ben grimm i, I... no i i am opposed i don't like it. <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm just getting loopy 
All right. Uh, Joe, let's get into uh, let's get into Star Wars news. What's special about this week's Star Wars news, Joe? Uh, it's it's going to have a bumper for the the wider off the audience that if you're not a Patreon member, you haven't got to hear it yet. Why are we playing this bumper, Joe? <laughs> We're playing it because Jake's not here this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is I'm going to play the uh, the very elusive Star Wars bumper that. Uh, I didn't play years and years ago because Jake hated it, but I'm going to play it here. And I'm sure I'm going to hear from other people that hated it, and you can fuck right off, okay? So, (laughs) yeah, it's – yeah, here we go. Star Wars news. Don't you think, Joe? I don't it care. It's fucking epic. Such a good bumper. <laughs> Thank it's you, Melissa. Star Wars news to go. It is thematic. <laughs> I was banging my head. Oh, John. <laughs> John, I love you again. I didn't mute <laughs> because I was cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's to Skid Row's 18 in Life. And yeah, I... I wrote those lyrics, and, and that guy fucking – his name's Jay Stevens, and he fucking killed it. So thank you, Jay Stevens. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Melissa. And thank you, John. And fuck you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never listen to this. He's not here to defend himself. Hey, hey, hey. I'll, you know, he'll never listen <laughs> to this episode. Anyway. Uh, yeah, uh It'd be great if I didn't even have any Star Wars news, wouldn't it, Joe? If I just played that, <laughs> if I if I just played it out of pure spite, you know. <laughs> and we got no news. Fuck you, Jake. There's your news. I'm kidding. I love you, Jake. I'm fucking around. Anyway, uh, Taika Waititi's Star Wars film still uncertain. This comes from Dark Horizons. Uh, the fate of the film side of the Star Wars franchise remains unclear for now. For a time, it looked like Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron would be the next film in the franchise. They're popping off fireworks here. Fuck. Can you hear that? Jesus Christ. Sounds like a jiffy pop going on outside. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you celebrating freedom on the second? You got two more fucking days before you can celebrate freedom. I, uh, so many comments. Stop it, Melissa. <laughs> Just stop it. All right. I don't I, knock it off. Anyway. Knock no. Knock it off, Melissa. <laughs> I did. Save that fucking shit for your own fucking podcast, all right? Don't bring that shit over here. Yeah, I will. 
Listen, I don't like talking politics on this fucking thing. This happened to me out of the fucking store the other day. I went to fucking buy protein at GNC and, uh, I, you know, the, the price of protein went up. And, uh, the, and it's like, I'm just here to buy protein. It sucks that the price went up, but I don't need to, to get into the politics of why the prices of protein are going up. I, Knock it off, buddy. I didn't come here. I came here to buy protein. I didn't come here to listen to your political views. Same thing with this fucking show. Same thing with I this show. Do I know. Them. I'm just, listen. I know you're not. But the same thing with this fucking show. Everybody, we have to deal with this fucking shit. Every time I get on the fucking internet or Twitter, I got to read shit all over the fucking place. It's fucking depressing. I want this place to be an escape from all that. I want to talk about, I want to talk about Jay Stevens singing his little fucking hat, head off. Singing his Star Wars song about Kylo Ren. That's the shit I want to talk. I want to talk about Namor and I want to talk in the headdress. I want to talk about Marvel news. I don't want to talk about what's going on in the world that depresses everybody. And so that's why we stay away from this shit because I get enough of it when I ever, anytime I fucking log on to anything, I want to fucking cry. I want this, I want this to be an escape from all this bullshit. I want to be, I want to be that shelter. I want to fucking, I want to, I want to hold you close to my bosom. And I just want to, I just want, yeah, everything, yeah, I just want, everything's going to be okay. I'm fucking Leo Grand. I'm going to fucking suck you off, eat your pussy, whatever the fuck you want. I'm going to give it to you. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was about to be like, Brian, I feel so held by you right now, but I'm, I, before you said all those Leo Grant yeah, things, you know, I was going to say that. And then, I, then, I, then I took it real dirty, didn't I? <laughs> Brian, Brian, I got your protein for free. <laughs> John will talk after the podcast. Anyway, um... <laughs> Uh, let's see here. For a time, it looked like Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron would be the next film in the franchise, but her commitments elsewhere seemed to put that film on the back burner. Uh, Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy pretty much confirmed this last month when she told Vanity Fair they have a roadmap for new films with the Taika Waititi directed and Christy Wilson Cairns penned film to likely arrive first and Rogue Squadron being further off. However, Waititi himself out promoting Thor Love and Thunder this week suggests his Star Wars film is still a while off as well. Speaking with the New York Times, he's not even sure his film film will get the go-ahead. He said, I'm trying to write the Star Wars idea at the moment. I've got lots. I, I've got to see how that goes. But once I submit it, that might determine when it gets made or if it gets made even. Waititi first linked to doing a Star Wars film back in 2020 – Sounds like he, it sounds like it uh, remains stuck in the very early development phases. Um, he's also busy with other projects from getting soccer, his uh, soccer drama Next Goal Wins out in cinemas. Um, another season of uh, Our Flag Means Death. Uh, he's executive producing multiple shows, including the Reservation Dogs and What We Do in the Shadows. He tells the paper that uh, he's also not fussed if a new Star Wars doesn't go ahead. Quote, I am cool as well to take six months off and just hang out with my kids. Uh, I thought that this was like the one that we didn't have to worry about. I thought that this was the one that they were going to definitely make. I mean, it's like we're hearing about this Ryan Johnson trilogy. I Man, for a while, they were just handing out Star Wars movies like uh, fucking Richard Dawson uh, handed out lollipops in the early 80s on Family Feud. Another Family Feud reference, Joe. <laughs> Well done. Nobody, yeah, I didn't expect me to pull out a Richard Dawson, did you? Did not see it coming. The mo <laughs> millennials have no idea what the fuck I just said. 
We all need to make out with each other. <laughs> Melissa has no idea what the fuck I said. She said she heard Richard Dawson. She thought maybe I was referencing Dawson's Creek, which she's heard about. <laughs> she has no idea. I'm very mad about how spot on that assessment is. <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, does it have anything to do with James Vanderbeek? No, Melissa. It has nothing to do with James Vanderbeek. All right, fine. Damn. Oh, man. I, Alex Hanold, the next thing he's going to climb is fucking James Vanderbeek's forehead. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, I, I took El Capitan. I free soloed that, but my next challenge, James Vanderbeek's forehead. <laughs> And then they, they, they never do, been done. Then they do a map of like which route he's gonna take. <laughs> <laughs> Different colored lines. Well, I could go this way. Anyway, he sketched it all out in his notebook. Yeah, then I'm gonna go to this wrinkle. <laughs> They're like, oh shit, dude. We've got a, we've got a whole new problem. James Vanderbeek in this last year has acquired a brand new wrinkle on that fucking forehead. He's like, ah, this changes everything. <laughs> I think Jonathan's eye bags need a their own series on Stranger Things. Jonathan's eye bags. Yeah, it's like he's climbing that and he gets caught in one like a bear trap. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> now we're just making fun of people. That's terrible. <laughs> I like James Vanderbeek too. Anyway, I just I thought that this was going to be like the next for sure movie and tyke is not even sure about it that like, is surprising yeah um is especially with him saying that it's like he doesn't even have the treatment done yet and so it's like that's that that means that this is in the very early stages if and also what is disney doing just making announcements saying so and so is going to do our next star wars movie and they haven't even read anything yet yeah it seems very I premature like, i feel like a taiko a td Star Wars film would be amazing, but it, but it's just singular. Like, how can that, like, if he doesn't do the next three, then like, I don't, you know, how's it going to transition to another director? I think they're, I feel, I, I feel like Disney's just focused on the TV side right now. And I, it makes me wonder, like, when are we going to get Star Wars movies again? And are we really excited for Star Wars movies anymore after, I think, like, the missteps of the rise of Skywalker? And, you I know, really hope they learn those lessons. I don't think they have, man. I don't think they have either, which is but, fucking but, mind-boggling. But Taika, Taika's the guy to give us something different. He would definitely give us something different. And are they still stuck in this thinking of, oh, if it's Star Wars, it has to be a trilogy, you know? And and if if they are still stuck in that thinking, I really hope that they at least learn the lesson of let's get a cohesive plan before we move forward and make sure that these people are on board, at least with a rough idea of what this thing's going to do. I, we and, don't need another fucking Phil Lord, Chris Miller thing where it's like these guys got 75% of the movie done and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, uh, Kasdan and Kathleen Kennedy – pushing them out yeah no i'll it's there's been way too much star wars stuff lately that is their productions have just been a debacle and man i i, I feel like as a fan base so many of us see quite clearly the the pitfalls they need to avoid and so it just blows my mind 
that that they wouldn't see those same pitfalls. I I hope Rogue Squadron is like a group of like you know Tie Fighters, and they fly down into like one of the wrinkles on James Vanderbeek's forehead, <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> It's like the trench run. <laughs> it's like the trench run, Joe. But it's all taking place on James Vanderbeek's forehead. There's an enlarged pore at the end of this wrinkle. <laughs> right. We call this Operation Dawson. <laughs> anyway, I hope I, I, I that's the one movie that I was hoping that did get made because I mean, after Wonder Woman 1984, I was like, I still think Patty Jenkins is a great director. I just don't want to see her take like the creative lead on this movie. And then after fucking watching Top Gun Maverick, it's just like I cannot think of anybody doing like a Rogue Squadron type movie other than fucking Joseph Kaczynski at this moment. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, he really nailed the dogfight scenes in that. No shit. And what is Rogue Squadron if not dogfights in space? Yeah. Yeah. John, did you see Maverick? Yes. It was so good. <laughs> I, I I hadn't seen uh, Top Gun since I was really young, and I didn't remember it super well. But uh, man, that was such a such a great movie theater experience. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Fucking incredible. There, there's still there's still theaters that are playing it in IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. So, Melissa, did you see Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, I saw it in IMAX actually, and it fucking ruled. And I cried at the end. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I. I've seen it three times in IMAX, and oh my god! <sighs> I mean, man, they just did. It could have just been such a cheesy mess, and they just they just uh, went past my expectations in that movie. And it was just it had the perfect amount of nostalgia, and like you were seeing a new movie that had really great effects. I just really loved it. It's like, you're, yeah, you're seeing a new movie that's like just a throwback to movies that we don't get anymore. It, yeah. I mean, it was a – I mean, I mean, to pull off seeming fresh when you're doing a part two of a movie that came out in the 80s, that's, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Sequels are, are hard. Sequels are yeah. very hard, especially for a movie that's like, you know <laughs> – we're talking about like th- what is it? Thirty six years later. So. Yeah, it, it it had a big chance of just being cheesy and failing, and it just it exceeded all expectations. It was a passion project, and Tom Cruise and Kaczynski and and you know even Macquarie fucking delivered on this one. So fuck yeah, that is our show. You no, like, you like yes, John. That <laughs> is. <laughs> John, what, what what else? Are you okay? Then bring something to the table, John. I did. I I forgot that I I just saw the movie Elvis yesterday, and I I won't go into it, but it was not Boz Lermany enough for me. But otherwise, it was a taste it, and uh, really, I think people should go see it. Okay, so it's a taste. It. I'm I, I'm actually batting around the idea of uh, of seeing it because, uh, um, you know, I think. Elvis, it's a, it's a, yeah, I want to see if they could fucking do that story, you know? I don't know. And I, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a chance, I think. I, I think the biggest part of me that has me, like, not wanting to go see it is the fact that it's two hours and 39 minutes. It was too long, yeah. Right. It was too long. It's a fucking, yeah, it's a fucking long movie. 
Do the, so the women they go they go fucking nuts when he starts gyrating his hips, don't they? Austin Butler was was amazing. I mean, his facial structure and his uh, demeanor it 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 was really amazing. But I think uh, the movie got lost a little bit in in, in over portraying the Tom Hanks character, and it felt a little less Elvis and a little more his manager. Ah, uh, yeah, because you got Tom. Uh, Tom Hanks playing the Colonel in that one. And I know, I know Jake and a lot of people (laughs) don't love Baz Luhrmann. I love Baz Luhrmann. This movie just wasn't Baz Luhrmann-y enough. It was like the, I don't know. I didn't love it, but I think a lot of people are liking it and the critics are liking it. And so I'm excited. It's, it's, it's Elvis. So it's, it's automatically appealing and um, engaging, but. I went to Graceland when I was a kid. I didn't appreciate it when I was a kid. <laughs> I went to Graceland when I was just uh, about eight years ago, and I freaking loved it. Yeah, I need to go back as an adult. I'd probably appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, I I, I cannot overemphasize um, how great it is to go to Graceland and see his house, and it, it's just it's just fascinating. All right, John, are you gonna keep, are you just gonna try to keep this? Sh- show fucking going is that what you're trying to do you just not want to get off (laughs) oh man all right okay now this is the official end of the show yeah anyway no we'll be back uh we'll be back uh midweek next week with some stranger things spoilers we're going to talk about what happened in stranger things 4.2 and uh we'll be back the next yeah, uh, one week from today with our Thor Love and Thunder review, which I'm looking forward to talking to everybody else about uh, once everybody else has had a chance to see this one. It'll be really interesting to hear what everyone else's rating is. And, hey, maybe mine will change by the time we get to that episode. <laughs> so we shall see. All right. Joe, thank you for joining us on this episode. Where can people find you and what are you talking about? Yeah, you can find me on StartCast, a long-form conversation show I do. New episodes drop almost every Saturday. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, at the Tubby Ninja. All right. Melissa, what's going on? Uh, you know, not much. I do a podcast called Wild Pretty Things. We talk about women in cinema. Um, and I'm also on Twitter at Mel Yellow. And that's about it. What, what, I do Mad Men. We're kind of on a hiatus, but that's it's still great, Bob. If you're looking to start or restart Mad Men, tease. What's the what? Do you do, what's the last thing you did on Wild Pretty Things? Tease our tease our audience. Ghost in the Shell, 1995 anime, baby. Bodies and minds. Are they real? There you go. Listen, everybody. Ghost in the Shell fans, go listen to the episode. John, you don't have anything to promote. No, my life is. Just a mess. No, it's not. John, don't say that. <laughs> don't you say that about yourself. You don't you don't you don't, don't have talk to talk about my friend like that. You don't have you don't have to host a podcast to be uh, uh, special a, a, a person. You you bring you don't have to take I think I do need to watch Elvis after listening to that performance. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Whew, definitely need an Austin Butler Elvis palate cleanser after that debacle. 
<laughs> anyway, seriously, thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. And until then, we're putting a, li- putting a lid on it. Thank you. Yeah, John! <laughs> John! I was about to say, all good leftovers stay on their doggy. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> that outro is dead. Guys, we'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, take it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushover Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.